Live now in the Kiva is Liberty Lovers. The only thing they love as much as their family is their liberty. All right, everybody. It's Saturday afternoon. I am your friendly neighborhood Jaybird, and with me... I'm Liberty Nat. We are your Liberty Lovers, and we unite every Saturday here in the Kiva. So thank you, everybody, for joining us on another Saturday of Freedom Speak, ready to come at you with some hard-hitting truth. So, yes, welcome, everyone, our freedom-loving basket of ultra-mega-deplorable lizard people. And to make it even worse and more triggering for everyone out there who's a snowflake, Merry Christmas. That's right. It's the Christmas season, and we're going to say it. None of this happy holidays, none of this, oh, well, it's it's just a season of giving. It's just a season for joy. No, no, no. Merry Christmas, as in Christ Mass, the Mass leading up to Christ's birth. Advent for anyone who's uh, into liturgy out there. Yes, we are awaiting. We are anxiously awaiting the moment of Christ's birth as if it were, you know, several thousand years ago before he had come the advent of his birth. Last week before Christmas, you all, uh, hope you all are getting ready to spend some time with your family, with your friends. Uh, Hopefully no social distancing in in the works for anyone. Is anyone still doing that? Really, is anyone actually social distancing anymore? Uh, We we had a funny experience. We were, uh, Jay Bird and I were in Costco the other day and someone nearby sneezed and a couple in front of us who were of course wearing masks literally stopped their eyes got big and they turned around on a dime and went the other way we're like oh people are still doing that okay oh well we're not so yes welcome everybody to day 688 of america under siege it has been that long since the steel yes the steel was real and we're not going to stop saying it. And it's still going on. Oh, they did it again. And you can bet you they're planning on doing it yet again to us in the future. And of course, we've got to hold the current puppet in chief in the White House basement accountable for, you know, all, all of his uh, misdeeds. You know, let's go to the U.S. debt clock first. You Thank you so much to usdebtclock.org for keeping track of all of these numbers for us. So currently under Biden's, uh, you know, dilapidated watch the u.s national debt has grown up to 31 trillion 439 billion and 52 53 million dollars there we go it just turned over enough of that there so yes our 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 trillions and trillions of debt not decreasing anytime soon under joe biden uh Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Biden. Not. Yeah, I swear he's the gift that keeps on ungiving. And of course, we have to hold him to account with the 689,794 Wu flu deaths on his watch. And of course, at least 32,828 COVID vaccine deaths and 4,623 miscarriages, at least according to the VAERS database as of December 9th. Now, we've said in the past that the VAERS database, uh, something screwy is going on with the numbers, not sure what it is, but there actually is now an alternative for reporting vaccine injuries. It's forum.demed.com. 
slash vax, V-A-X, I-N-J as an injury, vax inj slash posts. And it is the Global COVID Summit for Vaccine Victim Testimonies. They're encouraging people to go ahead and upload their vaccine victim testimonies since there is not an accurate accounting of actual vaccine injuries. Maybe you were vaccine injured and never told your doctor, or maybe your doctor never actually put in a VAERS report because of your vaccine injury. Whatever the case, you can go over to the Global COVID Summit and they can record your vaccine testimony. Yeah, because, well. you know, the one thing that we, we've discovered is is we've got friends that have been injured and they've talked to their doctors and the doctors are like, what, what are you talking about? Report, report, report what? what? Oh, no, this has nothing to do with the, you know, the jab that you got 45 minutes before you collapsed. Yeah. No, no, nothing at all. Nothing to see here, folks. Yeah, you didn't have a heart condition before the vaccine. Now you do. That's just coincidence. Yeah. The, oh, no. Yeah. It Maybe it's cancer. Oh, you, you never had markers for cancer before either. But now, yeah, you, you get how it goes, folks. You absolutely get it. So, yes, the VAERS alternative. I will have it also up on the dot .chat site so you can get it there. Remember, you can also listen to us not just on 1600 AM, but on abq.fm, rockatalk.com. Kiva.am, Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Rockatalk.tv, basically everywhere. You know what? Make your life simple. Just get the app. Go and get the app from either your Android or iPhone store, Rock of Talk. And of course, subscribe to the chat where we'll have all of our show notes and links up for you so you can see it yourself. Because, hey, don't believe us. You don't have to. No one should have to just take someone's word for anything. You should be able to go and see it for yourself. Look up the information for yourself. So, yes. And, and as we said earlier, we're, we're going to keep saying Christmas during this Christmas holiday season. And Jaybird, I know you had an experience with that recently as well. Um, as far as uh, what, what was it? Telling people Merry Christmas. And what did you get in return? Well, I went to pick up my mail, our mail, I should say, at a, at a you know, P.O. box. And, uh, you know, it's a busy time of year for these folks. I get it. I understand that. And uh, got my package that was there. You know, three of the workers were there. And, um, you know, I, I said, thank you so much and Merry Christmas to you guys. And I said it loudly. Yes. So everyone heard. <laughs> and just nothing. Like, everything stopped. It was just quiet you could hear a pin drop nothing nothing no happy holidays no merry christmas no uh no that's offensive nothing it was just complete silence as if they had never heard someone say merry christmas wow that's sad that is yeah and so sad they didn't even say it back they didn't even say happy holidays back to you no nothing at all It, it was as if they were just well they were speechless (laughs) <laughs> you know, and um, but, you know, to be fair, I, I am I am that jerk face as I don't want some some loser uh, urinalist likes to say. Um, but, y- you know, when when I when I see people, I say Merry Christmas. I've been saying Merry Christmas uh, to people and I'm not going to stop saying Merry Christmas. I know people that, that have. They've just they've had this discussion with me and they said, well, we only say, you know, happy holidays if they say happy holidays. If they say Merry Christmas, then we'll respond in kind with Merry Christmas. 
But um, I'm not doing that. I'm not giving up. Like for me, the season really is, it's a, it's about a celebration of the birth of Christ. And I understand the timelines don't quite match up. And I also understand that there has been a really um, just a despicable commercialization of the holiday here. But for me, this holiday is about Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to say Merry Christmas to you, whether you're Christian or not. And, and the reason to be a big deal. Right. And the reason I'm going to say it to you, I'm not trying to offend anybody. If you're offended, that's your business, not mine. I'm not out to offend anybody, but what I'm out to do is share with you why I'm excited for this season and where my joy comes from. That's what this is about. That's why I say Merry Christmas. Frankly, I, I really don't care if you're offended. It's, that, that's not, it's not my business because not, it's not like I'm going out there and punching anybody in the gut or in the face. I'm not doing anything like that. So if, if, if I say Merry Christmas to you and you're offended, well, that's your problem and not mine. That's that's my take on it. That's how I see it, and that's how. And I believe me, folks, he sticks to it. Absolutely, <laughs> we love it too. In, in our household, our kids are going to grow up knowing why we celebrate this season. It has Christ in it for a reason. I think, yeah, we even put it up on our van now. Instead of freedom yeah. slogans, our van is going to have uh, some interesting um, Christmas slogans on it now, and I'm. I don't know. We were debating the other day whether some people might actually find that more offensive than some of the freedom and political slogans. It's sad, but they they just might. You know, Jesus is the reason for the season. I I, I never saw why anyone would be triggered over that, but apparently some people are. So well, you know, and, and oh well, you know, Natalie, we've we've had people in our lives that that uh, claim to be atheists, and um, you know, we. When I have conversations with with folks that identify as atheists, it's it's usually pretty fascinating to me because, you know, we start talking about Christianity or Christmas or or, you know, our, our faith. Qu- almost every single instance, it's been um, someone has been offended by that. And, and these are the same people that are like, yes, I'm an atheist. But I'm offended by you talking about that. And, and so, I you know, I ask them very simply, I'm like, well, if if if. If you're an atheist and you say you don't believe in God and Jesus Christ and, and intelligent design, then what, if you say you don't believe in this, you don't think it exists, why are you offended that I do? Yeah, there's I a- mean, if, if, if you genuinely are an atheist, your thought process would be, I'm just kind of an idiot and I believe in fairies, right? Now, are you going to be offended by somebody that believes in Tinkerbell? I've never met anybody who, <clears throat> excuse me, who has been absolutely offended by Tinkerbell. Now, I know people who are like, no, it's it's gross and 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 kind of perverted. And, you know, I certainly agree with that. But but people that will get, they will get angry about something that they say they don't believe in. You know, like if you go to the store, you walk down the frozen food section, you know, you're looking at frozen peas. You see the Jolly Green Giant. You know, I see that dude, he's much taller than me and, you know, he's, he's buff. He's got a, you know, he's, he's, he's ripped, you know, I should be jealous, but I don't believe in him. It's a figment of somebody's imagination, some marketing thing, right? Or the Pillsbury Doughboy. Right. So I, I'm not offended. Well, the Pillsbury Doughboy is kind of round. I don't want to be round. I want to be, <laughs> I want to be cut and buff, but you know, he's cute. but, but either way, I'm not offended by that. So when, when, when I, when, when I have folks that, 
tell me, well, I'm an atheist, so I'm offended that you would say Merry Christmas to me. I'm like, well, why are you offended if, if what I just said is something you say you don't believe in? Mm-hmm. I mean, at the, at, at the most, you would think I'm just an idiot because I believe in something that is silly. That's That should be the logic behind that process, but that's not. That's really not it. I mean, you find that most atheists, most people that are offended by, you know, Merry Christmas, um, they, you know, they tend to be people that have got um, hurt and 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 in trauma and 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 things from their past that that hasn't been worked out yet. Well, there's this quote by C.S. Lewis too that said that Christianity, if if it's wrong, it doesn't matter at all. And I know I'm butchering it. It's not going to be an exact quote. Um, if if Christianity is wrong then it doesn't matter at all. But if it's right, it is infinitely important. There is no such thing as just medium importance in Christianity. So if, if you believe, like we do, that Jesus is the reason for the season, then this season is one of the most important. It's a celebration. It's iconic. And if you don't, well, then you don't. And if it doesn't matter to you, well, then there's nothing to get offended over, right? So just giving you all here a little bit of food for thought for this season, because we know that you're probably going to come across some naysayers and probably across some people who are going to tell you, oh, it's it's not good to say Merry Christmas. And, you know, you don't have to be mean to those people, but just be like, well, hey, if it doesn't matter to you, then why are you offended? Why, why do you think it cares? Because you know what? It matters to me. And you know what you can tell them? Well, it's. It's not very, it's, it's pretty offensive to vote Democrat too. So here we are. Yeah. So, you know, there we go. Yeah. Uh, kind of, kind of like that. What the, well, the gas prices haven't been too bad in Albuquerque, but I've been hearing that they've been really bad outside of Albuquerque, outside of the metropolis of New Mexico. Yeah. Well, we're not that much of a metropolis, but yeah, it, gas is still pretty bad in the country. Uh, and in the rest of the state, job numbers are still low. And, of course, we're going to get into some other ways that we're losing as a state later on in the show. But I do want, want to get to you uh, a, a very Merry Christmas wish from, let's see, Dr. Jill Biden. Cannot forget the doctor in there. Oh, wait, no, it, I, I was wrong. It's not a Merry Christmas. Uh, it was actually a rather tepid holiday message that she put out there and as someone on on telegram said it, it's a way to sort sort of say you know f you to christians without say actually saying f you yeah no she she came out and publicized this message saying we may celebrate different holidays we may sing different songs or say different prayers but our shared american values endure season after season so, wait, what did she just say? A whole lot of nothing, pretty much. Yeah, that's uh, that's her way of giving a holiday greeting without actually saying anything that could any way, in any form, be misconstrued as being related to Christmas or the reason for the season. So, yeah, you go there, Dr. Jill. Uh, glad to see that that doctorate's degree in education Worked out for you. Yes, apparently you can string together a sentence without saying the word Christ. That that's what she got out of her doctorate's degree. Cool. Okay. Good. Good to know. Um, in other news, though, her husband, yes, the one who happens to be the puppet in the White House, 
uh, is also considering sending more troops to Ukraine. Now, of course, there's a lot of other news in the news cycle. There's uh, what video going viral about Biden almost walking off stage and a little girl having to pretty much rescue him and show him where to go. OK, yeah, that's funny. But this is particularly significant. And by the way, do we think for a moment that Biden himself had any say in the decision making about about this decision here? Probably not. Uh, I would have to say at this point, uh, if he doesn't know where to go off stage after having been briefed and told beforehand, because, you know, that they actually do get briefed. Hey, you're going to go on. You're going to say this and you're going to exit this way on the stage and shake hands with so and so. If he can't remember directions he just got 15 minutes before, um, I really doubt that he has the cognitive ability to remember that we're even at war with Ukraine, much less make uh, a wait. Oh, wait, we're not technically (laughs) at war with Ukraine. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. See what I did there? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, in that video is really. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's the the man is confused. And as the camera pans out, um, you know, pulls out there, you actually see that the table that he's supposed to go to is like 20 feet away from the podium that he was speaking at. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it wasn't even so, that far. So it's not like he was in one room and there's 15 different doors that he can choose from to exit. And then he's supposed to go to a different room on a different floor. No, he was supposed to go to this table that is 20 feet from where he is standing. He can see it from where he's speaking, but it doesn't click anymore. It is gone from his head. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, well, someone referred to it as, oh, he's glitching out. That that was probably probably the funniest comment that I saw on that. So, yeah, we know we know that Biden is up to his usual wandering around, um, saying nonsense and sometimes in some cases saying words that don't even exist in the English language. I don't think they exist in any language. Frankly, I don't think they're words at all. So, yeah, that's the state of our puppet in chief. Um, but anyway, the, the people who are pulling the puppet strings have decided the administration uh, that they're going to send considering sending more troops to Ukraine to track arms. And the reason this is significant is remember that right now, supposedly, the United States is not at war with Russia. At least we better not be. Uh, we don't really have a uh, an active role in this Ukrainian crisis. Well, it kind of depends on who you ask about that. Um, uh, Biden and Biden and his loose tongue with uh, inciting violence, war, et cetera. Yeah. I thought the left was against that. Well, apparently not if you're on their side Well, you know, and 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 you're you're going to profit from it. Right. And if you listen, you know, the left is against firearms. We are not allowed to have firearms on the street. They're dangerous. They need to be taken off the street. But then again, you know, as, as many people are talking about, um, the merchant of death has just been released upon the world by the mm-hmm. same fine folks that tell you, you can't have a gun because it's dangerous. Oh yes. Yeah. So we've got, uh, you know, we've got a hierarchy here. Remember it's not hypocrisy, uh, hypocrisy folks. It's hierarchy. They make the rules. Therefore they decide which rules apply to them and which rules reply to everybody else. So that's what's going on here. But this one is interesting um, because the Biden administration, Obama, is considering sending an additional 
in additional U.S. troops to Ukraine to keep track of the almost $20 billion worth of weapons that we've sent there. Wait, uh, did you say Ukraine or Afghanistan? Uh, is it the same difference at this point? No, 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 Ukraine, Afghanistan, they were already oh, there. See, you know, I thought maybe we were going to go and try and, and, and get our, our weapons back that that Biden abandoned. Um, oh. Yeah, but I get that. That's no. silly of me to think we would do that. No, so, yeah, no, sorry. No such no such luck there. Keep dreaming. Keep dreaming, folks. Yeah, keep dreaming. Uh, Afghanistan. Oh, what, what is that? The news media won't really even talk about it anymore, will they? No, no, they won't. So, yeah, you, you can forget all about talking about that. But we sent $20 billion worth of weapons to Ukraine. And my first question was, uh, you mean we weren't tracking them in the first place? What? Wait, we, we send all of this? <clears throat> Folks, that's like sending a blank check. Only according to the left, it's worse because you're sending a loaded gun and you're not even making sure it gets into the hands of the people you intended to send them to. Hmm. Yeah. So that's the first thing. First thing. And by the way, thanks so much to uh, Human Events Daily for their take on this. Um, yeah, Jack, Jack Posobiec is doing some great work over there. But yeah, this th there's more to this than just, oh, oops, we can't keep track of these weapons. Let's send some people over to now keep track of them. First off, <clears throat> It's almost impossible. In fact, last month, actually, the White House confirmed that they did send an undisclosed number of U.S. military personnel to Ukraine to inspect weapons. Uh, what? And those of you who remember this were worried, and rightfully so, that this move uh, might uh, look like Biden breaking his pledge not to send U.S. troops to fight in the war. Oh, no, no, no. They're just going there to inspect the weapons. So wait, first you sent $20 billion worth of weapons and you're saying we lost track of them. But now you're saying, oh, no, wait, but last month we did send some military personnel, but we won't tell you how many. And they're supposed to inspect these weapons that we lost track of. Huh? OK, so, you know, things aren't adding up. Oh, but wait, it gets better. Yeah, so uh, U.S. troops, whenever they're sent to one of these nations, whether it be Iraq, Afghanistan, or otherwise, we're always told that it's just military advisors. This according to Jack Posobiec of Human Events. Um, oftentimes, though, in these advisory missions, there end up being an entire squad of U.S. military troops on the ground. They're using this to play a numbers game to slip active duty U.S. military troops into Ukraine. Now, the Pentagon won't reveal how many U.S. troops are assigned to what mission, saying that, oh, for operational security and force protection reasons, we won't discuss specific numbers of personnel. A former U.S. official has described the move as classic mission creep, an allegation, of course, that the Defense Department described as ridiculous. Yeah, no, this is about supporting the Ukrainians, not fighting the Russians, said a U.S. defense official, as it was revealed that there are also experts in the country to, listen up, help Ukraine use critical weapons such as air defense and counter drone systems. Okay, this is a U.S. defense official 
who admitted, yes, there are also experts in the country. Oh, but they're just there to help Ukraine use uh, air defense, counter drone systems. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So that that begs the next logical question. If if U.S. troops are there to help Ukraine use these defense systems, um, what what if Russian soldiers get killed while U.S. troops are helping Ukraine use missile to air defense, counter drone systems, etc.? Wouldn't that mean active duty U.S. soldiers are now responsible for active duty Russian soldiers' deaths? Huh? I, I mean, come on, folks. The the logic here that this is not this is not a far leap. And regardless, by the way, of how our media spins it or our own defense officials as they're trying to you know backtrack on some of this or spin it, Russia is going to see it this way. Yeah, it's going to be it, at the very least an act of aggression, and at the most a declaration of war. Exactly. So. So here, here's the funny part. A leaked State Department cable revealed earlier this week by Politico, by the way. I, I always it, it's the most amusing thing whenever Politico steps in it and proves our points and conspiracy theories. Right. They admitted that keeping track of U.S. weapons once they have entered the country was a nearly impossible task. And that American intervention in crises like this will inevitably turn into hugely expensive undertakings. Okay, so first you sent $20 billion there. We lost track, or 20, sorry, $20 billion in weapons without a plan to keep track of them. And then you sent people to keep track of them. Oh, and now you admit it's an impossible undertaking. And by the way, it's hugely expensive. Ka-ching, ka-ching, more dollars. And now you're saying, oh, well, we, we, we're also sending an undisclosed number of troops in there to help the Ukrainians use critical air defense and counter drone systems. And who knows what else that the Russians might construe as an act of aggression or declaration of war if any of their troops get killed as a result of our troops helping Ukraine. Oh, yeah. Clear as mud, folks. Clear as mud. We're not at war with Russia at all. Are we? So why do you think they're pushing for this right now? What what could be the reason to get to get this done now? Um, I, I don't think it has anything to do with Christmas or New Year's. No, 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 no it's no, not no. that. Oh, I know. The Republicans are soon to take over the House. Ah, yes. And that could certainly rain on their parade. That could rain on Joe Biden's parade because mm-hmm. now he's not going to have the ability to just willy-nilly send things wherever he wants them to go without some sort of accountability. And actually, that's a great point on this. Um, wait, what gives the Biden administration, White House administration, any right to decide to send troops into another country, period, Without asking Congress, I'm sure that they are exercising some loophole here that says, oh, well, it's not for the purpose of war. It's to keep track of our interests. And hey, those 20 billion dollars of weapons, we got to keep track of them somehow. Yeah, idiots, because you didn't in the first place. Or did they do it on purpose so that they would have a plausible reason to start sending our servicemen and women into Ukraine? 
to potentially foment World War Three. Hmm. Right. We are sending soldiers over there. We are also training Ukrainian army. How in the world would anyone with even half a brain cell look at this and say, well, there's, oh, no, there's, no way that, there's no way that Russia would consider this an act of aggression. No, they'll yeah, think this no. is completely peaceful and completely acceptable. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's there there you you're not going to convince me that there's a single person in Washington D.C. who thinks that is the way that this is going to to uh, work itself out. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. That's not what this is. And there's not a single person in Washington that believes that either. This really is the classic mission creep. Yep, they're going to creep us right into World War Three, folks. And yes, like Jay Bird pointed out astutely, oh yeah, Biden's about to lose uh, control, essentially, of Congress. Or, well, technically, it's Pelosi who's lost control of the House. Yeah, and Pelosi, of course, was falling in line, right into line with O. Biden's uh, dictates. So, yeah, they're about to lose that, and they need something to distract, and they need to get it done before or all these people in the house are sworn in and 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 they'll probably blame it on us too they'll blame it on republicans if, if we uh creep as you say into world war three they'll be oh nope see republicans were in charge of the house it's their fault right no wait i think it's actually the senate who has the the power to say whether uh, uh we, we do certain things diplomatically inter- on international levels i believe it's the senate so there's that. Yeah, um, I, I know it looks like uh, not a lot of good news on that, fr- that front, unfortunately. And remember, folks, remember, this whole Ukraine thing, it is multi-purpose. It's not just, you know, oh, make Biden look good during the midterms or, oh, distract from the gas prices or, oh, yeah, let's uh, let's funnel money via things like FTX into Ukraine. Oh, and then funnel it back. Oh, and funnel it into uh, Democrat political coffers. Now, it's not any one of those things. Ukraine is a front for a bunch of it, for all of it. You got to admire the Democrats um, capability for getting several things done at once. They're wonderful multitaskers when it comes to strategy. Have to admit that. Not saying that it's right, but I'm just saying they they see an opportunity and they get multiple things out of it. You know that whole never let a crisis go to waste. Oh, they they're they're wonderful at that and not just never let it go to waste on one front. Let's turn this into a multiple front win. Yes, the Democrats are far ahead of us on strategy. And apparently that's something that the Republican Party still has as of yet to learn. Because, uh, oh my gosh, they're, they're still a mess. If, if anyone's been watching what's been going on with uh, Ronna McDaniels and good Lord. Did you see some of that, Jaybird? It's starting to come out in the financials that some of the money that she has spent or her quote, GOP administration has spent donor money on, uh, what was it, some Broadway shows and travel. No, I it's, didn't. I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, it, it was um, it, it was pretty scandalous. I cannot say that I'm surprised, though. I, I really can't. 
And that's one reason that we don't like to donate to the GOP or the Republican Party at large. We like when we do make donations, we like to donate to a specific candidate that we believe in. Um, However, yeah, I understand a lot of people still believe in the Republican Party. And it would be nice if the GOP and the Republican Party in New Mexico here would do what they are supposed to do, which is advocate and facilitate the growth of that political party and thereby the election of candidates. In the meantime, though, apparently Ronda McDaniel has been living the life of a millionaire on the RNC millions. Yeah, uh, analysis of RNC spending since 2017, thanks to Red State, by the way, shows millions were spent on private jets, limousines, luxury retreats. Oh, yeah, and Broadway shows. What did did she go see? Does it say? Uh, I don't. No, I did not. I did not see that part. It wouldn't it be funny if she went and saw Hamilton? <laughs> oh man, that's that would, that's that what that I'm. Uh, that, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, they just have it broken down. Like they just have it broken down by category. Um, so hmm, entertainment. Oh, holy moly! Thirty-four separate disbursements for entertainment since 2017 under Ronna McDaniel. Uh, disbursement amount seventy-five thousand seven hundred thirty-nine and change. That's an average disbursement amount of $2,227 for entered. Those are some expensive seats, folks, even for Broadway. Heck, even for opera. I, I think that's that's a little bit above average. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, ch- check out the article from Red State on this. It goes deeper into oh luxury travel, $1.3 million. Tell you what, that doesn't make the Republican Party look good. But what have we been saying this whole time? You know, there's the Republican Party is quickly becoming co-opted into the Uniparty. The Democrat Party, they're there. They've been there for decades. The Republican Party, though, you know, why would you stop if you're after having a Uniparty? Why would you stop at co-opting one party when you can co-opt two and now you don't have opposition, or rather you have controlled opposition. So does it really surprise us? Is it any wonder that we have observed and have seen again and again proof that, yeah, there are establishment-minded folks who think that they deserve all this, that they deserve all of our money, our hard-earned money, your donated campaign dollars, and they're using and abusing them. Hey, remember the three three different ways or four different ways to spend money. Yeah, spending other people's money with impunity. Is it any wonder that that is in the Republican Party as well? You know, I do kind of hope Mike Lindell is serious about running against Rhonda McDaniel. Of course, there are a few other people who've pitched their hat in the ring too as well for that. So, yeah, we'll see what comes of that. Uh, will it result in any change? Not holding my breath, folks. Not holding our breath by any means. Yeah, see, what we, what we keep, what we're faced with is we've got a Republican Party that, um, at least here in New Mexico, they've, you know, it's it's just... It's the party of losers because what what we have is we've got this group of people here who are entrenched and they've got lots of money and they're not willing to give up their little slice of the pie. And when I say little slice of the pie, it's really, really small. Mm -hmm. But that's significant because 
you know, it's like high school when you start looking at uh, yes. the, poli- the, uh, the, the Republican Party here. When you're in high school, and, and I saw this when I graduated, I saw a lot, of, a lot of guys that, you know, made fun of me in school because um, I was kind of a weirdo. But, you know, these are the jocks and stuff, and they made fun of me. And they went off to college, and, boy, within a year they were back. Cause, because why? Because they failed out. Because it's easy to be a big fish in a small pond. It's, it's a lot easier than being a little fish in a big pond. And that's what we have here. We have a bunch of the, the, the Republican Party here is just a bunch of high school jocks who are still in high school and they think that's the world. And at some point they have to graduate and they have to go out and face the real world. And that's the big shocker. That's when it all falls apart. Yeah. And unfortunately, the love of money, remember, the root of all evil, love of money, not money itself, the love of money. Man, looking at those millions and those coffers and and basically being given a blank check with voters' money saying, oh, yeah, well, you, you can expense this and you can expense that. And keep in mind, folks, that the structure of the political parties, that's completely up to the people who are in the political parties to determine. In other words, it's probably not illegal what Ronna McDaniels did. Is it unethical? Sure. Is it going to possibly get her voted out? Hopefully. Most likely. Most likely. (laughs) Unless she's cheating. Hmm, Cheating knows no bounds. Um, But again, even if it's not illegal, does that mean it's right? Well, no. And frankly, people, when they give you money, they expect to get something of some kind in return. Yes, even charity. When people give money to feed hungry kids overseas, they expect in in return for their money to feed hungry kids overseas. Hence, charities who are notorious for, oh, let's say like 90 to 80 percent of your dollar instead of going to feed kids overseas, going to their administration. Yeah, charities like that, uh, they tend to get a bad rap, and sometimes they even go under when enough people care to look at it and raise a fuss. Because we expect something. When we give our dollars, we expect that those dollars are going to be put to use for the purpose for which we gave them to you. Whether it's we're buying something, therefore we expect goods or services in return, or we're donating them, therefore we expect that that charity of our choice is going to do the good work that we expect them to do with them, or even our tax dollars. Well, we expect that the government is going to use the tax dollars in our best interests, right? Eh, Not so much anymore. Honestly, I don't even know that people even realize how much of their their income goes to taxes. You know, the, the, one of the worst things I heard someone talking about was um, the, this automatic deposit, electronic deposit. It was going to be one of the worst things. And I was told by someone a long time ago in finances that if you do electronic deposit, this is horrible because now you're not handling a physical check. You're not cashing it into your account and you're not seeing the breakdown of how much money the government took before your check gets deposited how much did i earn that i am not receiving 
And especially in this day and age where people sort of, especially kids, younger, younger generation millennials, just trust that, oh, well, you know, I'll have it electronically deposited to my bank and then I won't have to worry about it. Yeah, I'll just have my credit card bill set up to pay automatically. And hey, don't get me wrong. Bill pay can be a great tool, especially auto, auto pay. But you still got to keep track of stuff. But we have a generation now that is all about convenience. And they are all about, oh, I don't want to worry about it. Oh, I don't want to think about it. And now this generation that's all about convenience, you have to wonder, you have to ask, do they even realize what taxation is? Do they even know the ramifications of taxation on their own life, on their paycheck to paycheck life in many cases? I mean, just ask a younger person, especially, uh, do you know how much money gets taken out of your paycheck each month? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably the reaction you're going to get. Now, if you get someone who's like, <clears throat> oh, yeah, um, I get 33% taken off the top because I'm in this, this, and this category, but I'm pretty sure that I'm going to get at least 20, you know, 25% of my income back come next year because I've got my taxes lined up. Okay, you got one of the few. You got one of the few who uh, has it all figured out and cool. Not saying that those people don't exist. Hey, we're, we're some of those people. Well, you know, I was, I I was talking to somebody just yesterday and she, she's actually a a fair bit older than me. Not, not huge, but she's a fair bit older than me. And, um, you know, she's, she's somebody that I pray for. I really do. But we were talking about when she used to live in Germany because she lived there at one point and she still has German friends and they come over here and there's some medical issues that happened with her, her friend's mom that was visiting from Germany ended up in the hospital and, and there's been an insurance mix up and, and credit cards are involved. So now there's mm. this, you know, hundred thousand dollar dispute or more. And, you know, she said, you know, I don't know why I came back from Germany. I don't know why I came back here. She said, and so when I was there, um, the socialized medicine was great. There was, you know, never any problem getting, um, surgeries or seeing the doctor if I needed it or getting medicine or anything. She said it was all great. There was nothing wrong with it. And I said, yeah, but how much did you pay in taxes? How much of your money went toward that? <laughs> and she wouldn't answer that. She wouldn't, she oh, wouldn't, she wouldn't well, answer that. Yeah. Um, the tax rate out there is outrageous. I know. And, and see, th- th- this is the, this is the mindset and, and my parents, you know, I love my parents. We definitely don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. But they have this this mindset that um, come tax time, you know, March or April every year, I'm getting free money from the government. That's that's kind of the mindset. And that it's that mindset that has allowed people to buy into this whole socialized medicine thing and think that it's a good deal because like you say, if you're doing direct deposit, you're not seeing exactly how much money is coming out of your check. No. And so a lot of people, they don't even really think about that. It's, it's something if they don't see it out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. And now they're thinking, yeah, I'm getting this, this, this free services from the government. Yeah, but it's not free. Nope. It's never been free and it's never going to be free. Governments don't have a product except for <laughs> you and I. Yes. The citizens are the product. We're the pro- we are the product and we're the source. We've talked about this before. We're the source of all 
value. Well, Biden's administration is about to take more of our hard earned dollars, you know, as if it isn't enough that they sent 20 billion in weapons to Ukraine and they want to send more and more. uh, And we lost however many millions and billions of dollars in Afghanistan. Uh, Yeah, Biden uh, recently apologized to a delegation of African leaders for the unimaginable cruelty of slavery. He said, my nation's original sin and offers them $55 billion. And and get this, as if that wasn't enough. The Rwandan president mocked the U.S. in front of a laughing crowd. Do you see this on CNN? Do you see this on MSNBC? Oh, no, it's Daily Mail that was carrying this one. Yes, thank you, Daily Mail. Um, I I will give them credit for this. They take every opportunity to take a jab at the U.S. as much as they can whenever it's possible. So hence, we sometimes get the truth from them. Awesome. Yeah, he was there on Wednesday, or, or I'm sorry, I should say Biden hosted on Wednesday most of Africa's leaders in Washington for the first time since 2014, reviving a summit begun by none other than Barack Obama and said that his country and Africa were united by America's original sin and the stolen men and women and children brought to our shores in chains and rattled by, or they say rattled by China's massive investment in Africa. Biden on Wednesday announced 55 billion to be spent on health, climate change and trade. Well, does does he not realize that China's investment in Africa has more to do in the way of, oh, yeah, owning the rights to a bunch of mines starting to. Oh, no, wait, they haven't just started. They've actually constructed some ports, seaports, among other military installations. And yet our tax dollars, 55 billion are going to be spent on health, climate change, and trade. I don't think we're getting much back from from, from this money that we're quote investing. Yeah, you know, in 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 Africa, I think I think China got the better deal. Yeah, but that's that's very weird. Uh, how are they even able to do that? Because if you think about China and their record against the Uyghurs, there mm. there is a significant Muslim population in in Africa, and when you look at the entire continent. How on earth is anybody even allowing this? Now, I know that there are some places, there are some nations there in in Africa that they just don't have the resources to Mm -hmm. fight against a company, I mean, a country, sorry, like the CCP, like the the Communist Party there in China. But somewhere, somehow, I would think that they would speak up and say, hey, you know, we, we need help. So why isn't the White House looking at that rather than, this is nonsense that they're trying to pull now. Why not look at the financial investments of China and stepping in there? Why? Why would we not do that? That right. seems to Can't me to make more sense. Can we just undercut China? You, you re- realize that China actually holds a lot of the rights to the mining of precious and scarce metals and resources in Africa. Uh, they were moving in on those what over fifty, sixty years ago. I mean, they, they were moving in on those uh, when Rhodesia was still a country, by the way. Um, but, you know, here, here's the funny thing. Paul Kagame, the president of Rwanda, was asked earlier on Wednesday whether the 2014 summit, get this, the 2014 summit yielded 
concrete results. He was asked about basically about a decade ago. He says, well, at least we had a good meeting, he replied from, to laughter from those assembled. So basically nine years later, um, we had a good meeting. Did, did the summit started back in 2014 and, you know, culminating today, have they yielded good results? Yeah, we had a good meeting. Nah, that's it. By the way, I wonder how much uh, gasoline, jet fuel, good old Joe spent uh, flying all those people over here. Because, you know, they didn't fly in on their own dime, right? <laughs> Heck, Not no way. Point. No way. Yeah, and of course, Beijing has been holding its own high-level meetings with African leaders about every three years over, you know, two decades. That's it. That's it. And Chinese trade with Africa, about four times that of the United States. Now, that's just trade. That's just trade. And Beijing affects that by basically becoming a uh, an important creditor because they offer way cheaper loans than, than we can offer. And uh, get this, often with opaque terms and collateral requirements. <coughs> Read, they're taking over important and valuable land in Africa. Yes, you know. See, China doesn't just trade with Africa. China is after, ultimately, conquest and global domination, folks. And that's not according to us. That's actually according to them. I mean, you, you, you can go read transcripts of Xi Jinping's speeches and uh, other CCP leaders. No, they, they are supremacists. You know, people here in America want to complain about, oh, well, there's people who are supremacists or, or white nationalists or what have you. No, we think we're the best country in the world. Yes, we'll, we'll grant you that. China doesn't just believe they're the best country in the world. The CCP, the actual Communist Party themselves, believe that they should be the only country in the world. Go, go read some of their transcripts. Go read some of the things that they say about uh, edging out the Western ideals and Americanism and that the fall of America is you know, so, soon to be facilitated. These are some of the things that the CCP themselves have been saying for decades. But no, we're, we're going to, instead of competing with them in Africa, we're just going to give Africa money and hope that it does some good. Really? Hmm. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes, Joe. And uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see your 55 billion in our taxes and raise you. I don't know. Maybe we'll finally get him <laughs> unelected in 2024. That would be nice. Let's, yeah. Can we just fire him already? Can we really take two more years of this, folks? Can we take two more years? I'm not so sure that we can. It's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty bad. Well, you know who else is a really good friend of Xi Jinping and China? Oh, it's in our own very backyard. The tiny tyrant herself, MLG. Yeah, remember when she had, uh, what was it, a picture with those Chinese dignitaries? Oh, and then she went over to China. Oh, and then actually, well, she went over to Egypt, too, shortly after she got <coughs> reelected and hobnobbed with a bunch of people over there for, what was it, the G20 summit? Or it, No, it wasn't G20. It was, um, oh, that's right. It was for the environment. Yeah, jet set it across the globe, spending how many millions of jet fuel to attend a summit in Egypt about environmentalism? Because that makes all kinds of sense. Yeah, we have not forgotten. By the way, we have not forgotten. <clears throat> not going to forget either. 
No, or we're not going to shut up about it anyway. But uh, in other news for MLG, well, you know, she's never going to let the crisis go to waste herself either. Oh, yeah. Uh, for three years. How long has she been milking the COVID scandemic? How, how long now, <laughs> folks? Since since March of 2020. It's about to be three years now. Well, guess what? Her human services department. They want more of our money, too. So it's not enough that Biden is giving our money to Africa and our weapons to Ukraine. Uh, MLG's Human Services Department, they want a budget hike. Oh, because they want to keep COVID era policies. Yes, that's right. HSD just released its budget request for the New Mexico legislature, which the department says it'll use to continue to prop up expanded pandemic era social programs. They're requesting a budget of $1.6 billion that will leverage an additional $8.4 billion. Oh, when I first read that, I'm like, wait, did, did I read that wrong? They mean $8.4 million. No, no, it's billion with a B. Ex- extra three zeros, extra three places. To assist the, get this, $1.08 million New Mexicans who will experience significant reductions in medical, Medicaid, and food stamp benefits when the COVID-19 federal public health emergency ends. They're looking ahead. Yeah, the COVID emergency federally is going to end eventually. But we want to keep it going here in New Mexico because it's just been so successful for us. Yeah, we are so successful that in a new study that was just released here from Stacker, the richest and poorest states in America. Oh, gosh. And they include Washington, D.C. And we'll talk about that in a minute because that's a really interesting thing here. But um, out of 51, New Mexico, we are ranked at number 46 for the poorest. Well, I should say richest and poorest, meaning we are there's only a few states that are worse than us, according to Stacker. <clears throat> yeah. We have a. A 14.3% rate of families that are living with an income below the poverty level. That's over 14%. Our unemployment rate is at 7.8%. There are only a few states that have a higher unemployment rate than we do and have a higher percentage rate of families living with an income below the poverty level. But don't worry, because, you know, the if you ask MLG, the economy is good. We're doing good. Oh, yeah. We're yeah, doing we're good, doing great. Right? Well, yeah, we're so good that we're 46 out of 51 as far as prosperity goes. I, you know, uh. this is this is insane. But, you know, hey, congratulations, New Mexico. You voted for MLG. This is what you get. More of this crap. More food stamps. Oh, but more, if- more food stamps, more government assistance. Don't worry. The government's going to take care of you, but they need more of our money. How exactly is that going to work? And, oh, and I, I did the math. I, I did the math. <laughs> you know, we can math or rather I have a calculator. Uh, so eight point four billion dollars in federal funds. I'm not even I'm not even counting, by the way, the one point six billion. <clears throat> uh, I'm counting just the additional eight point four. For to assist supposedly 1.08 million New Mexicans. Whoa, whoa, we have a state of 2 million. 
2.1 million. Are you telling me half of New Mexicans, over half, are on some kind of welfare, Medicaid or and or SNAP, food assistance? So if you've been on food assistance, you've probably been getting uh, these letters from Medicaid saying that, well, due to the ongoing COVID-19 crisis, your SNAP benefits have been, um, oh, what's the what's the term that they use? Your SNAP benefits have been Max increased now. or maximized to the maximum amount of whatever, whatever, whatever it is. So they're giving everyone the maximum amount, regardless of whether they have two people in the household, whether they have 18 people, whether they have uh, uh, a job that's barely under the the minimum wage for a um, qualifying for a SNAP or whether they're like really, really impoverished, don't have a job anymore, period. It still can't get one. Oh, you know, besides the $600 checks that MLG gave, gave out for a few months. Um, they're giving everyone the maximum number of food benefits right now. Uh, you know, logically speaking, if half of New Mexicans, hypothetically, are receiving SNAP benefits and are receiving the maximum amount of SNAP benefits for food, wouldn't that result in people, at least half of New Mexicans, not caring about soaring food prices? Because, oh, I'll just put it on my EBT card. I'm getting in the maximum number each month anyway, the maximum amount that I can get. Wouldn't that mean essentially the government is subsidizing the increase the exorbitant increase in food prices. Not just government, because to understand whenever we say the government, the government doesn't produce anything. The government doesn't make any money. They take our money. So ultimately what that means is, isn't your money, isn't our money, our tax dollars going to subsidize people's groceries in the face of this food shortage slash inflation crisis. Hmm. So everyone out there who pays taxes, even if you're not getting any of these benefits, you are paying the inflated price for bacon. Even if your family, by the way, can't afford to buy bacon anymore because now what? It's up to like a ridiculous eight or nine or ten dollars a pound, something like that. Yeah, your family may not be able to put bacon on the table, but by golly, they're paying for bacon for someone with SNAP benefits. Interesting. So perhaps, just perhaps, I, I don't know, Jaybird, I might be going out on a limb here. Is uh, is this also part of the way that MLG is keeping her her voters satisfied? Just kind of keeping them strung along with, well, I don't have to worry about groceries because, yeah, I'm still getting these. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, we want to keep up these uh, COVID-19 uh, emergency measures because otherwise I'm not going to have enough money for groceries. I wouldn't say satisfied is the right word for <laughs> well, that. I was trying to be nice. Um, when have we ever been nice here? <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, maybe true. we're too nice. It, it, well, no, it was here. Here's the thing. It's not, it's not the people's fault who are necessarily on this. Well, it is in a roundabout way because you're not holding your politicians, your elected officials accountable. Oh, but you don't really want to hold them accountable when they're basically putting the food on your table. Oh, but they're not the ones putting the food on your table. It's all the other taxpayers who are. 
It's just that the governor is saying, oh, you know, let's keep this going. Let, let's keep giving people this. Oh, and there's no way that our state can afford it. So uh, we want $1.6 billion in the budget from the state. But we want the government, the federal government, to hand us $8.4 billion from other states' money. Because we can't afford to keep this up, but we want to keep it up anyway. In what, in what world of business, folks, is that a viable business model? We can't afford to keep doing business this way, but we're going to go ahead and write it into the budget. And then we're going to request that other businesses subsidize the way that we do business, even though we can't afford to do business this way. When is that ever acceptable in the business world? It's not. It's not how you run a business. You're not going to do that and, and stay in business for very long. I mean, <laughs> no. if you have, if, if you answer to uh, stakeholders or shareholders or mm-hmm. anything. A board. Um, any, well, you know, they fall under the, the, the uh, stakeholders generally. If you answer to anybody like that, uh, you're going to get the boot. You're out the door pretty quickly. If you're going to, if, if that's the business that you run, that's your business model. Hmm. It doesn't it doesn't work out well for you. Yeah. And, and keep in mind that that one point six billion, the state portion, that's a 14.4 percent increase from HSD's fiscal year 2023 budget request. They increased their own budget request. What? Yeah. But, you know, so it's very clear here that we've got um, representatives in this state. They're not leaders. You've heard me say that these are not leaders. That's part of the problem here is we call them leaders. They're not leaders. They do not tell us what to do. They are supposed to represent us. They are supposed to do our bidding, do what's best for us, the constituents. We know that's not happening, but we've had, okay, we're just going to say four years now with MLG. Yep. We've had that with her. What do we have to show for it? 46 out of 51 states as far as prosperity goes. And we vote her back into office? That doesn't compute. Unless unless we just have a state full of people who like to be losers. <clears throat> and I know some people that are like that, but I yeah, also know I some people here. I also know people here who are not losers. They are fighters, and they are fighting for this. Many of them you'll hear right here on the Kiva, 1600. But this just does not make any sense. Four years of this. We just keep losing and losing and losing. And she keeps taking and taking and taking. Oh, but but here's here. Here. This makes it all better. This is their reasoning. uh, HSD, New Mexico's HSD. Our mission is to transform the lives of the 1,088,981 New Mexicans that we serve through our programs and services. And now we have the opportunity to develop a new Medicaid waiver to drive transformation in healthcare. Guess who said this? Dr. Disgrace. Yeah. That's the man who wanted to modify your behaviors. He Cabinet said Secretary that, for New Mexico word. Human Services Department. Yeah. He wants to modify. Remember, remember, parents, he wanted to keep your children locked down out of schools, only doing school through a little computer screen because it would modify their parents' behavior. Oh, now he's just calling it something else. Well, our mission is to transform the lives of basically half of New Mexico. 
Well, no, the government's the government's purpose is not to transform anyone's life. It's to stay the hell away out of our decisions in our own life. Oh, but but don't you know, we, we want to transform lives. So we, we need a 14.4 a percent increase in our budget. And that's on top of a 22 increase over uh, increase in the previous year's budget from uh, 2022. Yeah. Yeah, we, we need all this so we can transform your life. And I did the math on that Yeah, earlier. I was going to say $7,713 per person of the purported uh, 1.08 million New Mexicos, New Mexicans. $7,700. You know what? Why don't you just give me that $7,700, you know, back refunded out of my taxes, no strings attached, you know, st- stop taxing me that much. And then I can go ahead and invest that money or use it to feed and clothe my family or use it however I want. Oh, but then people might waste that money. So it is their choice what to do with the money that they've earned, that you've earned, that we earn. It is our choice. We earned that money, right? Therefore, it's ours. We exchanged time, treasure, or talent, and we exchanged that with a, with an employer or for goods and services, etc., and therefore, we have some type of value in return in our bank account, right? So it's up to us to decide what to do with that. Nope, nope, not not under this uh, phony form of taxation. Not anymore. Now the government says, nope, we, we were going to take more. We're going to take more. What you going to do? What you going to do? I'm going to just uh, call your legislators that aren't going to listen to you anyway. And by the way, you still should. I'm just telling you that this is their mindset. Yeah, but, you know, since you bring up legislators, this is it, going back to the Stacker report. Um, this is really, really fascinating to me is the, the number one state in the Union for Prosperity. Oh, yes. Is Maryland. But the number two spot. It's Washington, D.C. Oh, my Washington, D.C. But listen to this, though. This is this is what's really interesting to me. Maryland, number one, right? The median household income, $90,203. With the unemployment rate at 5.9%. And families with income below poverty level, 7.4%. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, we look at the number two spot, which is Washington, D.C. The... Median household income there is ninety thousand eighty-eight. So it's only slightly less than Maryland, mm-hmm. but households earning over two hundred thousand dollars stands at twenty-one point six zero percent. So there's there's roughly twenty-two percent of the population of Washington D.C. making over two hundred thousand dollars a year. So there's a big difference because in Maryland, that that's a huge difference. There's the number is about fifteen percent of the population. Huh. Now, wait. So, so you're saying there there's a, a smaller portion of the population in Maryland that makes more of the money. 
Yes. And so most of Maryland yeah. and Washington D.C. percentage-wise is uh let, let's let's just say in, in a lower economic strata. They make less than $200,000. Correct. Now, this is where this is where it gets a little sticky here. So again, Maryland, the unemployment rate 5.9%. Washington D.C., remember again, got ranked number 2 here for prosperity. Unemployment rate 8.2%. Whoa. That's higher than here in New Mexico. Wow. Their unemployment rate is higher than what we have here in New Mexico in Washington, D.C. So what? We used to say, thank God for Mississippi. Are we supposed to say, thank God for D.C.? No. What we say is, <laughs> what, what the heck is going on in D.C. that they got ranked number two for prosperity, but they have so many people who are not working, and they have uh, they have 12.8% of families living below the poverty level. They still they still get ranked number two in prosperity. Well, why is that? Because of the politicians. Mm. It's the politicians. They're making money off of us. This is not news. Many of us already know this. Yeah. But here it is in black and white. Like if you're not a politician in DC, life for you really sucks there. This sir well, I've heard it put this way that there's there's the political faction in D.C., meaning not just the elected politicians, but everyone around them. And that's really where a lot of the money is, is in the administration portion uh, of D.C., the, the administrative portion. And then there's the segment of D.C. that is all service oriented. Basically, they, they provide the meals and the food or the hotel staff or or, but, or uh, the cleaning services, et cetera. They have- they, they theater shows for, you know, politicians to spend money at our yeah. money. So so you, you kind of have this strange dichotomy in D.C. where if you are if you're not part of the political machine, then, yeah, you're not making a whole lot of money. In fact, you may not even be able to afford to live in the D.C. area, which also makes the um, unemployment rate even that much more atrocious, honestly. And, um, well, of course, we, we've we've got our own issues with that here. And did I re- did I remember correctly that uh, Heinrich, does he live here anymore? Did he finally just move to Maryland full time or, or is it Udall who retired? No, it's Heinrich. Um, I don't know, frankly. I, I've not looked to see where he's living. I, you know, the. Yeah, I heard I, that he'd been I would be I would be willing to bet that he still maintains an address here somewhere because he would have to. Mm-hmm. But the last time he was here, <laughs> um, I don't God only knows. I, I, I certainly don't know when the last time uh, Martin Heinrich set foot in this state. Yeah, I did, hey heck, he was uh, you know our senator for how many years? Never answered any of our phone calls. I'll say that. Although I will say that at least most of the time, Heinrich staffers answered the phone. Uh, Udall, we nine times out of 10 would get a voicemail on contacting Udall. But oh, well, so much for that. Oh, and as, as if it isn't enough that MLG, uh, her, you know, her, her health department wants more of our money. Guess who else wants more of our money? Oh, MLG's public education department. Yes, they want more funds, folks. Oh, despite. <clears throat> the cash infusion, remember that that uh 
she she strongly advocated for and now they're calling it they're saying well it it was just a failed moonshot wait what yeah yeah get this so uh governor michelle lujan grisham her public education department secretary kurt steinhouse is he number three or two or four i forget how many public education secretaries we've been through now um, he's say he's saying he's requesting another increase in spending on the department, despite the state falling behind in every single other state uh, and the District of Columbia. Yes, we're behind Washington, D.C. in education, folks. Still, still. Uh, but the request for cash comes directly after Lujan Grisham's administration demanded a massive lump of funding that they the administration claimed was an education moonshot to help solve New Mexico's failing education system. Uh, well, uh, I, I guess your moonshot didn't make it to the moon, but um, bump uh, unlike Harrison Schmidt, who made it to the moon and back, folks. Oh, yeah. And if you uh, tune into the Kiva yesterday, you, you heard him live in the Kiva. That was awesome. But yeah, the, the PED back in 2021 asked for 21.3 million for their education moonshot, September 2nd, 2021. Uh, according to the press release of one Michelle Lujan Grisham. Yes, her own press release, folks. Yeah, and so they got their moonshot last year. And what did they do with it? Uh, does anyone really know? Well, I, I know they built that facility, right, John? They they, they built that, uh, that, that, what was it? Is it round... Wantabo, I think it's somewhere in the Northeast Heights. They built more office space, millions of dollars, a whole new office complex because they said they didn't have enough space at the what APS complex down down on Indian School. Yeah, it used to be at Indian School, almost a tramway, but um, you know. Oh, oh, did they move completely now to the new building? Or yeah, I don't. They... I don't think they're over there on Indian School at all. Uh, I think it's all pretty much just. Uh, well, I think it is all concentrated over by Coronado Mall there. So yeah, so so they have uh they have that. They spent a lot of money on that at least as far as APS is concerned. But what the heck did the state public education department spend all that money on? Do we know? Well, it wasn't reading. Apparently not. <laughs> because in the category of reading, New Mexico students, uh fourth graders are, are they're ranked at the very last spot in the Good nation. Lord. Um, yeah, no, we, we, we're not seeing, we're not seeing any, any positive results from the spending so far that's happened. P-E-D. I mean, at what point, where, where, where is the line here where we say, okay, how much is it going to take to fix this problem? And if it's not fixed, when we money. hit this, this mark, when can we take you and, and remove you from office and get rid of you and start over? You know, there, nobody's, nobody's saying that. I know that that's it's it's not quite as simple as that, unfortunately, because MLG has got to go. But you know, there's so many. I, I don't know. Anyway, I'm not going to get into the, the dummies and that voted for her here. But apparently, there are enough that they got it done one way or another. In business, it's called but, throwing mo- throwing more money after. Yeah, bad where money. where is the line here? Because we're not hearing that. We're not hearing that um, we're not hearing a plan on this. All we're hearing is we don't have enough money. We need more money. 
we'll fix the problem. We just need more money. Well, at one point, do you start firing people? Because in the business world, that's what happens. Uh, you went over budget. You went over budget again. Your department still isn't running up to speed. It's still not efficient. It's still losing the company money. Guess what happens if you're CEO and this happens under you? You get tanked. You get fired. Another CEO comes in to mop up your mess. Yeah, you... Let's say you run UPS and you say, you know what, I, I need $3 trillion to buy more trucks so we can deliver more packages efficiently. And then you buy the trucks and then the trucks just sit there and don't go anywhere. And, you got and you're not making more money. In fact, now you're losing money because you got to amortize this, these trucks that you bought and they're not making money for the company. Do you think you're going to have a job for very long? Yeah, no, not likely. Not, well, suppo- not supposedly in this, in this day and age, but, uh, Hey, you know, times are changing. Maybe this will be the new way to do business going forward. Oh, gosh, I really, really hope not. But uh, MLG's publication, public education department seems to think that they can continue doing that. No, more money, folks. Yeah, more money. They have the biggest chunk of cake. They have the biggest slice of the pie from the state budget. Forty five percent or around four billion cool four billion yeah 45 percent of our state education or i'm sorry our state budget goes into education and what do we see we're last behind dc yep and in reading fourth graders had the lowest scores in 13 years yep while eighth graders had the same category with the lowest scores in 15 years so what's their answer Oh, Steinhaus says, we've got to build a budget that will deliver a better outcome of getting those licensed people in the classroom. Oh, oh, so it's that we don't have enough licensed people in the classroom. Well, who the heck is in the classroom then? Are they unlicensed people? Oh, actually, yes, because remember uh, MLG last year? sent a bunch of people from the National Guard in to be substitute teachers, even though they weren't qualified. Wait, so is he going to blame this on MLG? No, 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 he won't do that. Otherwise, he's out of a job. But that's their excuse anyway. We need to get more licensed people into the classroom. Yeah. Yeah, that that's okay. Sure. That makes everything better. That's why we got to throw more money at you. No, well, no, no. And, and and OK, so now let's let's look at this other thing, too, because there's there's something here that even this article doesn't seem to address. You know, we talked about this, um, you know, being homeschoolers here. Mm-hmm. There are what was the number? Seven thousand five hundred fewer students in APS. Oh, yeah. Fewer enrollments. Fewer enrollments. I think. Yeah. Um, okay, so why is it they need more money if they have fewer <laughs> students? Exactly. Oh, but now we get now we get less money. Yeah, but you've got less students, right? More students means more money per student, right? So now you have, even though you have less money, you also have less students, which means you should have less output you you should be you should be spending less money overall because you have fewer students right oh logic would dictate but no no they need more money they they need another cash infusion i like that <clears throat> cash infusion <laughs> that's real that's really what our tax tax dollars are to them they're just cash infusions folks 
so that we can go ahead and transform New Mexican lives uh, or get licensed people into the classroom. I thought you had licensed people in the classroom as it was. Well, apparently not. Apparently not. You know, that whole fourth grade math score is lowest in 17 years. 17 years. Oh, hey, gee, I I, I wonder, uh, for 17 of those years, past 17 years, um, who for the most part has been in power? Oh, yeah. Democrats. Democrat Congress. Well, de- Democrat governor for at least the last four years and the eight years before Susanna Martinez. And I will say the one thing I always disagreed with Susanna Martinez on was her approach to public education. Did not agree with that at all. And it's the one thing I thought that she did horribly. There, see, I, I'm capable of criticizing Republicans as well. Yeah, no, uh, all the good things that she did. Yes, really good that she uh, vetoed a heck of a lot of wasteful, wasteful budgetary items and bills in the legislature. But really, really sad that she kind of caved on education and trusted the wrong people on that for their input. And it was definitely not her area of expertise. Let's put it that way. And unfortunately, she trusted some people who are heavily invested in Common Core. And look where that turned out. Hmm. Yeah, that, that got us here. <clears throat> Worst fourth grade math scores in 17 years, folks. Is this really where we want our kids? Is this the kind of future that we really want for our children? Well, it's not the future that we, Jaybird and I, want for our kids. Oh, yeah, that's why we homeschool. Um, but, you know, things might be getting worse in, in APS and in uh, public education around New Mexico. Might want to consider pulling your kids out out, out of there, folks, because uh, you never know. We uh, might be looking at more lockdowns coming down the pipeline. <clears throat> so we've talked before about how MLG has been, you know, she's already recommended. Oh, yeah, more mask wearing. Um, yeah, oh, RSV. Oh, scary RSV. As if we haven't been dealing with RSV before. Please. I was dealing with RSV with my first few children, plus nannying a few other kids. Uh, yeah, RSV been around. Yeah, we know it's dangerous. It's scary, especially as a first time parent when you're watching a kid's lips turn blue. So they're trying to use RSV now as the big scare tactic, along with flu season. Oh, flu's back, folks. Where have you been, flu, for the past two years? Haven't seen hiding or hair of you, but now you're back. Welcome back. You can add to the fear porn. So between COVID, flu, RSV, they're trying to say, yeah, we got to mask up. We got to mask up. Um, How long is it going to be before they say, well, you know what, New Mexico? I, I told you, I told you, you should have masked and, and I didn't want to do this, but now I'm going to have to mandate masks again because you guys weren't taking the recommendation. Does anyone think I'm joking? She already did it. She already did it in 2020 and kept doing it to us in 2021. Do we really think that she won't lock us down again and impose mandates again? We'll see. We shall see. But, um, you know, the, the other thing, though, is, is she's trying to put a good face on things right now because, of course, uh, people just aren't 
aren't buying that she was so popular. She she beat out Ron Ketty. <laughs> no, but oh, guess how she's doing it? Oh, she's stealing Ron Ketty's ideas. Yeah, that's right, folks. When in doubt, when when your image is so bad, just go ahead and steal your opponent's ideas, copy, paste, and call them your own. <clears throat> yeah, she's she's got this uh, rebate plan that she's urging New Mexico legislators to adopt. Seven hundred and fifty to fifteen hundred dollars per per person or family, you know, with a new windfall of over one point one billion in new money. You know, to your point, Jay Bird of uh, economists saying, "Oh, we're doing so well. Oh, we've got another one point one billion in new money." Well, whoa, 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 hang on. I thought we just covered here that first, your health department wants uh, another one point six billion in the budget, and they're still going to say, "Gimme, gimme," to the federal depart- uh, federal government. And, oh, yeah. And, and then the uh, public education department. Wait, they want more money, too. Right. So where, where's this one point one billion in new money coming from? How is it still considered one new money? I, I don't I don't get it. Help, help me, Jay Bird. Wait, one point one million in new money, but one point six you want to put towards health and then you want another uh, point th- point th- is it point three billion? I believe. Yeah, well, they want a six point three percent increase for PED. Yeah, the what the, the one point one billion dollars comes from the increased oil and gas. <gasps> oh, oh, but wait, is that the same industry that MLG is trying to put out of business? By what 2035 because she's falling in line with california's timelines right well you know that's that's what she says but you know looking at this i i have to i have to question the validity of that and and i'm starting well not starting i am asking and, and i've been asking for a while here why why would she want to increase the cost of oil and gas now if if the the government now remember the government taxes that pretty heavily mm-hmm. Um, so it seems to make sense that if oil and gas is more expensive per barrel, mm. the government would be, they'd have a bigger take, a bigger cut. <clears throat> they would have more money coming in. And according to this article, that's pretty much what's happened. $1.1 billion that is, that's been called new money due to increased oil and gas proceeds. So, okay, so now here's here's the thing. Now, um, of course, I don't uh, I, I don't like spending a hundred dollars every time I need to fill up the, the the freedom bus. But at the same time, I don't want to pay a dollar to fill it up either because I know that in that industry there there are families that rely on that. Oh yeah, families here in New Mexico who've relied on it for generations. So there's definitely there's definitely. On both sides of it, you know the the low the low end line and then the high end line that we really should not be crossing. Mm-hmm. But we mm-hmm. are very clearly we we've crossed the high threshold on that mark, and an MLG is benefiting from that. She's getting you know one you know one point one billion dollars that this state did not have as a result of oil and gas. So you know when she says to you folks that. We need to get rid of oil and gas. We need to go all electric. As far as vehicles go, no, 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 no. 
we've all got to stand up and say, no, no, that's not happening. We're not doing that because the, the ramifications are so far flung here that it's not just oil and gas industry. I mean, what was it? Uh, Ford. I'll have to pull the article up here, but Ford is, I believe it's Ford is laying off. Uh, or actually, I'm sorry, not laying off, closing one of its plants entirely because of the electrification of vehicles. There are fewer parts to be made. That means fewer workers are needed. And so there's a, there's a plant. It may, no, actually it might've been Chrysler. Um, but it, either way, the details doesn't really matter. One of the big three is closing a plant entirely because they there are not enough moving parts, literally, oh in an electric gosh. vehicle, and they have <laughs> not yet figured out how to replace those jobs for these families in the Midwest who are losing their livelihood uh, shortly after Christmas. And and it wouldn't it, it would be one thing. Look, this would be one thing if it was a bona fide. Um, industrial or uh, I don't if know. It was a boon. If this, yeah, if, this if it was an industrial something. revolution. I mean, keep in mind when the industrial revolution happened, there were a lot of old things that were phased out. For one thing, you didn't have so many horse stables uh, all over the country because oh yeah, horses got phased out by yeah cars, and you definitely had some industries that took a hit because they weren't necessary anymore or they were obsolete. But it happened naturally and it was phased out over time. But what we're looking at here is not actually an industry boom. And we may talk about this later in the show that the, uh, you know, the EV car industry, the auto industry, it, it's smoke and mirrors, folks. And, and it's not something that's actually even, quote, to use one of their words, sustainable. So where, where New Mexico is going to fall on this, uh, what we're going to fall, period, Oh, no, but you know what? The economy's good. We have $1.1 billion in new money from oil and gas and rebates for everybody. Oh, yeah. But but back to my point of, of uh, being a copycat and stealing your opponent's ideas. This was Ron Ketty's original idea, folks. Yeah. Remember just a few weeks ago, campaign trail, Ron Ketty. Yeah, we, we need to take this money from the oil and gas industry. Uh, give give every every person in New Mexico a rebate. Uh, what was MLG's response to that? Do you remember? Oh, I believe she called that socialist. Yeah, yeah, she, she actually did. Um, she, she of course could not say that Ron Ketty had a good idea and say, you know what, we'll do that too. No, 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 She, she, she absolutely couldn't credit him with having a good idea. Never credit a Republican with having a good idea if you're a Democrat. Do- doesn't work. Doesn't fly, folks. But absolutely steal their idea af- after you cheat. I mean, win the election. And uh, yeah, apparently, according to <laughs> she cheated fair square. Yeah, she, she cheated fair and square. And according to her press secretary, she's been working for several months to urge the legislature to support using a portion of the one-time funds to deliver another rebate to New Mexicans. Wait, she, she's she been working on this for months? Really? Because it was just, again, just, just last month in the camp 2022 gubernatorial campaign she blasted Mark Ronchetti for wanting to give everyone tax rebates based on oil and gas production and said that uh, this is 
fiscally irresponsible socialist scheme that would eliminate funding for the state budget. Yeah, she actually said that. She complained, you can't take away money from the government and give it back to the people. Her words. She thinks it's her money. Yes. She really thinks it's her money. Oh, so now this fiscally irresponsible socialist scheme, which was a good idea. She's using it to now save face and say, oh, no, look at New Mexicans. It's act. The economy is actually good. Look, we're, we're we're still giving you more in SNAP benefits, even though we have to ask the federal government for an eight point six billion dollar handout. And, and oh, look, we're going to give you all a tax rebate. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're going to give you all a tax rebate. So see, everything's good. Everything's fine. Nothing to see here, folks. Put your masks on. You can bet. She's going to get to that point sooner or later. Hmm. Got to wonder, folks. Got to wonder. Have we not had enough yet? Have we really, really not had enough? Apparently, we haven't. Apparently, haven't. Uh, what, what are we now? The land of milk and honey? No, no, no. We're the land of uh, murder and money. Yeah, this, this here, folks, is the kicker. Jaybird, you sent me this article. I think it was just last night. Lawsuit was filed in New Mexico. And uh, what was it against someone for, um, I don't know, maybe because someone stole something or maybe someone was tangentially responsible for, um, I don't know, auto theft, murder, negligence. No, 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 no. This lawsuit was filed over an end-of-life act. So if someone who's terminally ill asked you to help them end their life, you know, so we were supposed to be clear on this, that all human life is valuable. It's valuable. It's precious. However, one New Mexico doctor is fighting for what he calls his right to say no. To the question of, will you help me die? Well, I thought it was taken in the Hippocratic Oath that you are supposed to do no harm. And the underpinning, by the way, of that do no harm is the definition that human life is exceptional and therefore human life is irrevocably valuable. But now a New Mexico doctor here, Mark, uh, or I'm sorry, his attorney, Mark Lippelman, says that the government can't force healthcare professionals to violate medical ethics or their religious convictions to practice medicine, and that is precisely what the state of New Mexico is doing in a new law. Lippelman represents Mark Lacey, a New Mexico doctor, and the national group Christian Medical and Dental Associations in a new lawsuit against the state. They are suing the Attorney General's office the New Mexico Department of Health and the New Mexico Medical Board over the recently enacted Elizabeth Whitfield End of Life Options Act. Oh, doesn't that sound so good, Jaybird? Doesn't that just give you the warm and fuzzies? Oh, man. It's an End of Life Options Act. No, it's a Legally Assisted Suicides Act. And here's here's what the government here has said. They have made it mandatory for doctors whether whether it fits in with their religious beliefs or not, um, or not 
or or even their take conscientiously on the Hippocratic Oath, which honestly, yes. as a doctor, uh, Hippocratic Oath is supposed to be everything, right? Yeah, they they ha- they are now required to speak to their patients and counsel their patients about assisted suicide as an option. So you know, so it's you know, options options for the people who want to die, but not an option for the doctor who goes, no, no, that this goes against everything I trained. This goes against my conscience. Goes against my religion. Whatever. No, I will not help someone die when my sole purpose and intent in life is to help people live. So, so now the doctors, the option, end of options, life act does not leave any options for the doctors. And that is what this lawsuit is about. And kudos to Mark Lacey and his attorneys for filing this lawsuit against the attorney general. Man, I really, really hope that this goes somewhere. I really hope that it does. Now, I'm not going to hold my breath because I'll be blue in the face. Yeah, because let's not forget what state we're in. We are in a state that celebrates murdering babies, and we've got a governor that loves being awarded for that, and Planned Parenthood has has rewarded her for that. And in kind, she's mm-hmm. rewarded them with lots of money, and exactly. they've, they've, they've honored her. So, um, yeah, I... I, I I, I am praying that this goes somewhere, but I, I don't have a whole lot of faith that it will go anywhere here in, in New Mexico. And who knows? It may it may have to get so much more, so much worse. How much worse does it have to get New Mexico before we've had enough? How much worse does it have to get before we say no more? We're already killing babies. Now we're going to kill whoever's in pain and wants to die. How far does this go? Now, the good thing here, is that uh, with with, um, with the attorney Lippelman, he's actually pretty confident. He says that his, you know, his office was pleased to represent similar clients in California, where California passed a similar law. Keep in mind, here in New Mexico, it's only been law since last year. But as far as California law legalizing assisted suicide and requiring physicians to participate in some meaningful ways. We were successful in getting a court in California to block enforcement of those portions of the law. So since the lawsuit was just filed, Libelman said it's too soon to tell what the outcome may be. So, you know, we will uh, we'll keep an eye on it. Of course, the attorney general was their response when KOB4 reached out to them. And yes, hat tip KOB4 for, you know, doing your due diligence on this one. Oh, the attorney general says, we're reviewing the state's interest in this important matter and we will respond in our court filing. Yeah, of course you will. Of course you will. Yeah, you're, you're, you're not going to be on the record either way on this. Of course not. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a brief music break, folks. And then we're going to come back and um, I actually want to say a, a special special Merry Christmas to someone when we come back. So enjoy the music selection as always curated for you by your very own Jayberg. Oh, and before I forget, before I forget, we, we did have some people vote on the poll last week for what should we do for our Christmas show? We gave you all the option out there. Do you want a best of show? Do you want some more uh, constitutional replays from our constitution classes? Or maybe some of our favorite Christmas music. And by and large, wouldn't you know, about 60% actually said, we want Christmas music. 
So, okay. So for Christmas Eve, we will we will put together some Christmas music with a twist for you all. Uh, as you all know, I'm a big fan of parodies, especially parodies reflecting on our times, both politically and otherwise. So I've actually been curating some interesting parodies for you all. And we'll have those all for you on Christmas Eve for the Liberty Lovers Show. Because, yes, we will actually be at our uh, family Christmas Eve service that evening, spending time with family and our church family, especially, you know, celebrating the birth of Christ. So enjoy the music break for now, and then we will be back for you in a few minutes. Enjoy the music. Freedom. 
Oh, yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. This is Liberty Lovers Unite. I am Jay Bird. I'm Liberty Nad. We are your Liberty Lovers. We unite every Saturday, 3 to 6 p.m. here in the Kiva 1600 a.m. for your listening ears. And man, that, that was some good music there, Jay Bird. Tell our listeners a little bit about that. Well, the weirdness started with the Pac-Man theme it remix. Was weird. That's weird. Uh, there, there's this this dude, Arsenic 1987, oh, yeah. remix Pac-Man. But the reason for that is one of my favorite uh, boxers in the whole world. Uh, well, probably my favorite boxer in the whole world, Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, Manny Pacquiao. Pac-Man, as he's affectionately known by. Uh, he was born this day in 1978. Hang on, hang on. So. Full name, Emmanuel Dapidran Pacquiao. I, I just You're just showing say, off. I really love that. Yes, he's Filipino, folks. Woo, Filipino represent. Yeah, so happy birthday to Manny Pacquiao. And then, of course, the second one, I think everybody knows what that is. And if you don't, where have you been, right? man? Uh, that was uh, Ray Parker Jr. doing Ghostbusters. But that's to, that's in honor of Ernie Hudson, uh, born this day in 1945. Happy birthday, Ernie. And then, of course, that last piece. Oh, Merry yeah. Christmas, everybody, by Slade. You know, if Slade can say Merry Christmas, I so think I can, can too. You. Merry Christmas. And <laughs> yeah, Slade, Merry Christmas, everybody. Absolutely. You know, uh, back to Manny Pacquiao. I don't watch uh, many, many fights, you know, bo- boxing, etc. It, it never really interested me that much. But when Manny fights, I actually will pay to see that. That that that's a, that is such a treat. So I don't think he's actually actively fighting anymore. I think he retired from that, didn't he? I think so. But but the thing is, he was almost like you you could call him a renaissance man because I right? remember one of the last fights that we watched, and I don't think he won. But it doesn't really matter. We just enjoyed watching him. But it was in Las Vegas, if I remember right. He was oh, yeah. boxing. He was on the ticket. He um flew in because he was also a I think he was a he senator. Was a- in the he's, Philippines, right? Yeah, he's a congressman in the Philippines, or he was at the time, and he had a band, and they were headlining in Las Vegas right after his fight. Yeah, so the the guy was, was just, pretty wild. He he was just kind of a renaissance man. I mean, he did, did all kinds of cool stuff. So, yeah, happy birthday, Manny Pacman Pacquiao. Yes, yes, happy birthday indeed. And yeah, I, I really like that rock and. Christmas song. No wonder it's been number one. Yeah, well, every in, time in 19, 1978, it. it was number one. It hit the charts. And then um, it's just, it, it's been released for Christmas every decade since. I mean, it's it's, mm, it's, wow. it's, it's, a, it's still a popular song. And, you know, the fact that those, those crazy Scots Slade did that was pretty cool. <laughs> you know, those guys are a little strange sometimes. But Well, speaking of Christmas song releases, two years ago, we released our first Christmas parody. It actually was a uh, Liberty Lovers' first parody. Period. Uh, I have for for those of you who don't know, some of our listeners might remember. I have a love affair with parodies. I love parodies. I love a quick, witty turn of phrase. And uh, as you can tell, of course, that means I like Weird Al Yankovic, among others. By the way, there's some other more ex- obscure ones out there. But two years ago, uh, we were so inspired by our illustrious governess that we just had to write a parody just for her. In fact, I was looking for it. I couldn't find the copy because I actually wanted to play it for you all. Uh, Eddie had me in the studio in 2020 in December, 
And we sang that together, like just cold, just like, hey, let's do this. Here's the words. Here we go. And that that was such a fun time. I was hoping to replay that. But since I couldn't find the recording of that, here we go. I will go ahead and bring back and and redo for you. It's been slightly updated. I tweaked a few things because, you know, since 2020, a few things have changed. Now it's been updated for 2022. So here you go, folks. I present to you once again. Luhan Grinch. You're a mean one, Luhan Grinch. You're a bad, greedy wink. You're as ugly as a you're as cooling as an itch to hungry. You're a bad actor with a trigger fingered flick. You're a foul one, you hungry. Your heart belongs your brain is full of cobwebs, you have black holes in your soul, you hungry. I wouldn't do in a hazmat suit with a dimmer You're a monster, you hungry. You are love, you're You have all of the passion of a starving grizzly bear, you hungry. The starving grizzly bear. You're a tyrant, Luhan Grinch. You're a dick, Lord of Franks. Your heart is full of Marxist crap. Your soul is dark and dank, Luhan Grinch. The three words I describe you are as follows, and I quote Power. Drunk skank. You're a fibber, Luhan Grinch. You're the queen of fake news. Your heart's an empty vault behind a lying whitewashed mask, Luhan Grinch. Your stove is an appalling junk, overflowing with the most disgusting sort of cash I get himself BS covered up in alternate facts. You nauseate me, you hungry. You're a bilious, you louse. You're a crooked politician, and you run a crooked house, you hungry. You're a free pepper, mRNA, and agent orange enchilada with fentanyl Merry Christmas, Luhan. You filthy animal. <laughs> yes, yes, perfect. Thank you. Uh, I got to add that into the official version now. <laughs> yes. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that's the illustrious Natalie there. 
And uh, yeah, no thanks to Luhan Grinch. Okay, yeah, you inspired a fun little parody, but uh, I really rather we we would have not had that inspiration. Could, yeah, we, could, we, could just, we could do without that. Can New Mexico, you know, just be normal, successful, prosperous, you know, fourth graders not reading at, at the lowest level in the nation? I would rather have that than have this Christmas parody, but we don't. And we got MLG again for another four years. So there you go, folks. That'll be your Christmas Grinch Carol for the next four years. Luhan Grinch, man, these next four years can't go fast enough. Oh, so they also, by the way, folks, that's a little bit of a preview of what's coming for next week's show. I've been working on a brand new parody resurrecting another parody anyone rem- uh, remember uh, biden got run over by the trump train well there's a whole verse in there about hunter that i'm just mm, yeah raring to go on <clears throat> so, so i'm looking at refreshing that up and then also there's some other people i am not the only one who enjoys political parody oh there's covid parody too folks it, it's it's amazing um so we've got all of that for you for next week's show. It's going to be a fun one. And yes, we are going to record it ahead of time, but I uh, ho- hope you'll listen in and enjoy some fun and good chuckles for the and season on your Christmas Eve. Maybe there will be um, a new All I Want for Christmas parody, possibly. We oh, maybe. All maybe I want so. Christmas. Yeah, may- maybe. Well, we might have that too. You never know. We've got a few thing, few irons in the fire. But for now, we're going to go ahead and open up the phone lines. I'm going to call in and join the conversation. Yeah, Jay Bird and I are here hanging out. Uh, this this might be our last live show of the year. I don't know. We haven't talked about Christmas Eve yet. If if uh, or do we want to do a live show on Christmas Eve? I don't know. Well, I have uh, <clears throat> other commitments on christmas eve oh that's right oh yes that's right darn it so this this is our last soundboard show oh yeah well this will be our last live show then folks for 2022 so now is your chance 505-266-1600 if you want to join the conversation in the kiva you know we love to have you all here and uh we 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 just love having our our live callers and of course we had a wonderful caller yeah, uh, last week, who actually disagreed with us and, and decided to hang on the line for 20 minutes while he figured out exactly what it was we disagreed on. I don't know. I remember, seem to remember we had an awful lot of common ground with him. It was funny that he disagreed with us on so many things. But hey, kudos for that caller. We loved having you. We even love having more callers like that. So whether you agree with us or not, you're welcome here in the Kiva. We don't screen our callers, and as long as you keep things polite, FCC appropriate, you know, no foul language, you are welcome to come into the Kiva. Now, in the meantime, though, I do want to give you a little bit of a vax update. Yes, you know, the COVID-19 vaxes. Well, hold on, hold on. Oh. Um, yeah, 505-266-1600. And I I want to go back, just take it back just a little bit here real Mm. quick, because, you know, I mentioned the plant that was closing, and that's, it's, um, it's, the company is Stellantis. And it's it's the oh, the, the Ford plant. No, no, Chrysler. Oh, Chrysler. Okay. Fiat Chrysler, um, and some other Italian stuff there. But you know they're they're closing down in, in Belvedere, Illinois, and they're saying that they're closing down because of the high cost of making electric vehicles. 
Oh, really now? Yes, the high cost of making electric vehicles. And we've talked about this before. I just want to just touch on this really quickly because, you know, something else popped out um, this morning on one of my news feeds. Um, This is the Ford deal. You know, they got the Ford Lightning, which is their electric pickup. Mm. And guess what's happening with the Ford Lightning, everybody? Prices are going up yet again for the third time because it just cannot be made for the amount that Ford says it can. And, and then with Stellantis, which is the Chrysler company, they're closing down the entire Belvedere plant in Illinois because, and I believe it's around Rockford in that area, but um, closing it because the cost of electric vehicles is just too high. Hmm. Darn. But, but I thought the White House was going to subsidize, you know, new electric vehicles for everyone. Oh, wait, no, that's only if they're under a certain dollar amount. Let me guess. The Ford Lightning no, oh, no it's, longer. It's past that. It's, it's, it's way that. past it's, that. Oh. It's past that threshold. So yes. if you want a brand new Ford Lightning, you're going to have to foot the bill all by your lonesome. The only folks. electric vehicle that you can buy right now that would qualify for the, uh, the I almost called it a stimulus. That's a whole <laughs> other thing. Uh, that qualifies for the, the government subsidy. The only vehicles that would qualify for that are tiny little vehicles that will give you a maybe 100, 150 mile range. So uh, you're not going to go, you're not going to go out of town most likely, and you're certainly not going out of state, and you're not going to travel across the country. Oh, but isn't that the idea? Restrict travel. Yeah. Oh, look, well, Americans yeah, we've, want we've Americans want before. the government to cramp down and tell them, clamp down and tell them you can't travel. Because look, they want electric cars, right? Isn't that isn't that what we're being told? Isn't that what's being thrown out there? Everybody wants an electric. It's car. no longer efficient to travel for interstate travel, so we're going to limit interstate travel for your own good, and you're going to appreciate it, and and you're going to um you're going to thank us in the long run. But see, here's it'll be easier on your wallet. Here's a question I haven't heard anybody ask though. How is that going to work for all those illegals that are crossing over Mexico into our southern border? How are they going to get here if the electric vehicles are only 150 mile range? What are they going to do? Oh my gosh, you're right. How do they get here from Ecuador or San uh, San Salvador? How do they How do they get here from any of those? Well, those weird con- places those countries aren't going EV like we are. Yeah, those countries they'll, they'll do gas until they get to the border and watch the. I'm sure that the administration will write in an exception. Oh, oh yeah, you should be driving all EVs. Oh, unless you're an illegal, then then you can uh, bum a ride on a regular old gas guzzler. Yeah, they'll they'll figure out a way. But uh, update on COVID, folks. You know, we've been telling you, we've been speculating since 2020. We've been speculating what's going to be in these shots. Are these going to be good? The trials are not very forthcoming. Um, this This is not good. Never before. Have vaccines or supposed vaccines been rushed like this? Normal vaccines take an average of seven years at least uh, in order to make sure that they're safe and efficacious. Um, is this going to be dangerous? Are people going to die? And we've been called conspiracy theorists. We've been telling you this. Oh, guess what finally came out? Yes, an autopsy-based histopathological characterization of myocarditis after anti-SARS-CoV-2 vaccination study we've been saying it it's no longer speculation what we said was happening has now been confirmed so in this study cases of myocarditis 
diagnosed clinically by laboratory tests and imaging, have been described in the context of mRNA-based and anti-SARS-CoV-2 vaccination. Autopsy-based description, meaning on dead people, of the detailed features of vaccine-induced myocarditis is lacking. I'm sorry, histological features of vaccine-induced myocarditis is lacking. We prescribe the autopsy findings and common characteristics of myocarditis in untreated persons who received anti-SARS-CoV-2 vaccination. Okay, so in plain English, they finally decided we don't have enough autopsy information of post-vaccine patients who died of myocarditis. So we're going to take a look at autopsies of post-vaccine patients who died of or with myocarditis. That's it in a nutshell. And what they discovered, they, so they, they looked at standardized autopsies from 25 people who had died unexpectedly within 20 days after receiving their SARS-CoV-2 vaccine. Four, in four patients who received the vaccination, they identified acute myocarditis without any other significant disease or health, uh, health concern that may have caused unexpected death. In, in, in four. So four out of 25. Hmm. Uh, percentages being what, we, what they are, folks. That's a horrible rate. Oh, okay, but, but you know, it, it gets worse. Um, histology, fancy word for the history of your, med- your medical history. Okay, your medical history. Showed patchy interstitial myocardial T-lymphocytic infiltration. Okay, all of that is fancy speak for um, your lymphocytes being activated due to myocarditis. That kind of it in a nutshell. So 25 people, four people who died with myocarditis without any other significant disease or health concern or health condition. Four people. So overall, you know, to continue down further after some more medical jargon. And by the way, this is just the abstract. This isn't even the, the meat and potatoes. Overall autopsy findings indicate death due to arrhythmogenic cardiac failure. Thus, myocarditis can be a potentially lethal complication following mRNA-based anti-SARS-CoV-2 vaccination. Our findings may aid in adequately diagnosing unclear cases after vaccination meaning cases where they weren't willing to pursue death by vaccine. You know, oh, he died of myocarditis. No, no family history. Oh, but he had diabetes. So, you know, it's probably not the vax. Yeah, no, this this might help to clear up some of those cases. Oh, and establishing a timely diagnosis, thus providing the framework for adequate monitoring and early treatment of severe clinical cases. Okay, folks, it is official. It, it is official now. Death by myocarditis after COVID vax is a potential, acknowledged potential 
outcome. And that's the difference. Have we been saying it for months? Of course, we've been saying it. If you're one of our regular listeners, you know about it. You've been seeing it, or at least you've been having some of the same questions that we have. But now, according to an original paper published November 27th, 2022, by Constantin Schwab, Lisa Marie Domke, Laura Hartman, Albrecht Stenzinger, Thomas Longrich, and Peter Schermacher from the clinic from Clinical Research in Cardiology 2022. It is official. Myocarditis can be a result of COVID vaccines and can possibly be a lethal result. Gee, Jaybird, it only took him what? Um, almost two years? Yeah. December. No, two years. Yeah, because the vaccines rolled out in December of 2020. It's now December 2022. It took him two years to figure this out. Folks, this is the kind of thing that should have been figured out in the vaccine trials. We have animal trials for a reason. So we don't kill people. Oh, and by the way, we have human trials for a reason as well. So at least people who are volunteering to be medical experiments uh, can potentially stave off global levels of medical experimentation that kill off potentially millions of people. Okay, good. So we know this now. Notice CNN's not saying anything about this. MSNDC, are they doing it? Yes, I mis- misquoted that. They are MSNDC. Um, and anyone else? Honestly, I don't even I haven't even heard Fox News. Now, maybe some of the conservative pundits on Fox will talk about this. But you're not hearing it because, oh, well, OK, that, that they're yeah, we kind of knew that there were going to be problems that they're trying to say now. Some of the doctors are trying to say or I'm sorry, media pundits are trying to say, oh, well, that's old news. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We, you guys have been saying for two years they're completely safe. Take them. They'll save your life. No, you're not going to die. That's just fake news. And now they're going to turn around and say, oh, well, we, we had these suspicions and some people had these and they've been looking into it. But that's kind of old news now. Watch, watch. They're, they're going to try that. Because two years later, do most people care about this? At this point, you're either in one of two camps. You're either in one uh, yeah, uh, I had questions about this. I don't trust the government. I don't trust Pfizer. I don't trust Moderna. I don't trust pharmaceutical companies. I ain't taking nothing in my arm. Or you're in the, oh, yeah, vaccine. Give me, give me, give me. I'll take a booster. I'll take a whatever. Now, I will say, though, there are some people in the middle camp. And I know some of them. Uh, I know someone whose daughter recently said, nope, no more boosters for me. And she actually did watch the, uh, died suddenly documentary which i've heard i've heard mixed things about i've heard from some people it's, it's pretty good and i've actually heard from some doctors as well that well while while certain parts of it may be accurate there are some some claims or obfuscations in it that unfortunately are leaving them open to to being called you know le- less than accurate let's put it that way but overall, what I've heard from lay people watching it is that if they had questions before about, should I take a vax? They come away from it saying, no, no, I'm not going to. And some of those who've already been vaxxed come away saying, uh, well, I'm not getting any more. To which I say, okay, you know what? It is serving a purpose. If you guys want to see the died suddenly um, 
documentary, I'd encourage you to go on Rumble. Look it up. It's free. It's on there. Give it a look-see. And just understand that some of the originations or some of the implications might not be completely accurate. But for the most part, according at least to some doctors I've spoken to, um, some most parts of it are actually accurate. So, yeah, just, just, just watch it with that. And if anyone decides to tell you, oh, well, you can't believe it because this and this was inaccurate. I'm like, okay, well, that, 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 was, that was only part. That was only part. That wasn't the whole darn thing. But, yeah, it, it's serving a good purpose. And, hey, if it helps some people decide not to get this darn death jab, okay, great. More power to them. Um, at this point, the thing that worries me the most is people getting their children jabbed. I can't tell you how many people I've, I've heard say, well, you know, it's it's just like the childhood vaccines. We got to get their all their vaccines up to date, just just like their childhood vaccines. No, no. And look, I I don't even like the the huge enormous number of childhood vaccines on the American pediatric schedule as it is. But the the COVID nineteen jab is not like any of the other vaccines that have been vetted and tested and trialed for years and years, spanning decades, it's not the same thing. But they want to go ahead and put it in your six-month-old's arm. Not our six-month-old. Well, she's seven months old. And it may not be just the arm anymore because there's a push, Mm -hmm. you know, and and the newest kind of thing being developed right now is the, the... nasal administration oh yes of the vaccine and there have been studies that have shown that that's not it 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 doesn't work i mean it works even less than the actual jab into your arm but there have been some developments since then and they and some of these um universities are thinking that they've figured this out oh boy and yale is one of those universities that's involved. And I think they figured out that a, a way to do this a, in order to put the swab up your nose and it's a prime and spike, meaning when it goes into your nose, it primes the body for the spike proteins, which are, which are coming right afterward. And the reason that I, that, I mean, this, this just, this actually frightens quite a bit because in the nose, it's very, very close to your brain. The blood-brain mm-hmm. blood barrier. It's is, right there, right there past, I, th- I believe it's called the nasal pharyngeal wall. Right. And so this is a, this is a whole lot scarier. I mean, not, to, not that the shot's not scary. That's pretty scary. But this is a whole lot scarier to me uh, because now um, it's, you're looking at hitting a different part of the body that really up to this point has not been necessarily affected as efficiently as what they're thinking this is going to do. And and particularly that, that part of the body is the brain. Yeah. And keep in mind too, still that um, we're, we're still against the uh, testing with the nasal swabs up the nose. Um, Yeah. No, no bueno, no bueno, no, no good. Uh, That's actually 
uh, according to one doctor, aggravate, aggravating, consistently aggravating for those who may take that type of test on a regular basis, but consistently aggravating right up there, those tender tissues in the nasal uh, sinus area. Um, it increases your risk for sinus infections, upper respiratory infections, viruses, bacteria, even other pathogens, uh, parasites, because you're constantly aggravating and agitating that area and it it can potentially um result in brain damage yeah and see this is one thing that you know we were talking about this on the way over here um that that i think a lot of people are really failing to see is that the people behind this are very smart they're evil no doubt but they're very smart and what i mean by that is they are looking at the response to all this, our responses to this, they're tracking that, they're watching this. And what they're seeing is that people are becoming less and less trustworthy of these booster shots Mm -hmm. with good reason. You shouldn't have trusted it from the very beginning, but some people got suckered into it for whatever reason. And so the, the evil people behind this, they, they figured out a way to really sell this. And, And what they're doing is they're now starting to say, well, okay, well, we know the, the boosters in the arm, the efficacy is it wanes over time. So we need a way to boost that so that the efficacy of the vaccine isn't waning as much. So it, it takes hold of your body for a lot longer. So this nasal thing really isn't um, a way to replace the booster in the arm. This is actually in addition to so what you're supposed to do get the, the the shot in your arm. This is going to come up as the booster. And they're saying that it will help the, the spike proteins do their job much longer. What? Wait, I, I thought spike proteins were the thing that caused the problem. Yes. Oh, are they trying to reframe spike proteins as a friend yes. instead of an enemy? That's exactly what they're Ooh. doing with this. And, they, and they're quoted as saying this enables robust immune induction in the nasal cavity as well as in the lower respiratory tract, oh my establishing tissue resonant uh. memory cells. What they're telling you here is that with this, they're, they are going to tweak your cells. So that the spike proteins are harming your body much longer than they are even now. That the spike proteins are going to reside in your body. They are going to reproduce. They are going to shed for a much longer time than what we are even seeing now. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Um, Yeah. You know, one of, the, one of these shows, we need to do a more in-depth dive on what you can do to kind of protect yourself. The only reason I haven't haven't done this so far is because, well, we also listen to Dr. William Summers. And if you haven't, folks, listen to Dr. Summers on Saturdays, noon to 1 p.m. He, had, he does an excellent show. And he is on the cutting edge of what's going on with these vaccines and the shedding and the uh uh the side effects so if you get the chance call into dr summer show if you have questions on that um or listen to it and keep in mind too you can go to rocketalk.tv 
and get some of his past shows as well on this. But I think we need to do a show one of these days because I've been getting questions on it on, hey, um, what can we do to protect ourselves from shedding? Because increasingly now, those of us who decided, you know what, we're not going to get this jab, we're not going to get this vaccine. And we've talked about before how a lot of the concern over shedding is starting to affect us in that we're, we're not really sure, hey, just because we choose not to get the jab, does that mean we're going to escape the effects and the ramifications and side effects of the jab? Uh, well, I think it'd be pretty naive to go forward living as if, oh, I'm not jabbed. I'm just going to be fine and dandy. Because what if you're wrong? So what we're going to have, we're going to have to look, you know, into this going forward with your eyes wide open and say, okay, uh, I've done my due diligence as far as not getting jabbed, but now what can I do to protect me and mine? What can we do to protect our family? Just because we didn't get the shot doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to get some of the side effects. So yeah, health is important. Of course, we know vitamin D, very important um, the Scandinavian countries have known this for decades. Vitamin D during the winter months. Oh, your intake of vitamin D goes down because, well, you know, exposure to the sun goes down. You're indoors a lot more. In, in Scandinavian countries, it's been a thing where you take a lot more vitamin D during the winter months than any other time of the year. And they don't have flu seasons like we do. So, yeah, that, that's something we definitely all could be doing is taking more vitamin D, folks. I believe Dr. Summers uh, once recommended 5,000 to 10,000 IUs of that. So I'll have to look up that show and see that again. But, yeah, there we go. The nasal vax is coming, and they're trying to make you think that spike proteins are your friend. Mm. Well, 505-266-1600, if you want to comment here in the Kiva, we just have about a half hour left in the show. So if you want to join the conversation, you can call in 505-266-1600 in the Kiva. Now, I do want to comment also on something else that uh, actually, if you were listening earlier to Freedom Families United, Casey and Michael have their great show right before us, 1 to 3 p.m. And they mentioned... Uh, this one article about, oh, the next contagion. Yeah, thanks to American Thinker. There was not very much publicized about this, but Bill Gates and company, globalist company, I might add, just had another simulation. Yeah, a, a simulation. Remember, they had a simulation uh, event 201. It was invite only, had representatives from the World Economic Forum, John Hopkins, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Oh, it was also funded by Open Philanthropy Project, which was aligned with the Clinton Foundation. And they had, um, shortly before COVID-19 showed up in, in China, a pandemic tabletop exercise that simulated a series of dramatic scenario-based facilitated discussions, including, hmm, true-to-life dilemmas associated with response to a hypothetical but scientifically plausible pandemic. Oh, furthermore, an outbreak of a novel zoonotic coronavirus transmitted from bats to pigs to people that eventually becomes efficiently transmissible from person to person, leading to a severe 
pandemic. Sound familiar, anybody? Oh, yeah. Sounds like the past couple of years. Hmm, what a coincidence. Yeah, And remember, it just came out recently that, uh, oh, yeah, it did leak from a Luhan lab. No, 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 no. It came from a Wuhan wet market. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, well, the same players are in play yet again. And according to Johns Hopkins, they have a website page on this, the John Hopkins Center for Health Security in partnership with the WHO, no, not the cool WHO, the, the World Health Organization, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, <laughs> yet again, conducted catastrophic can contagion, a pandemic tabletop exercise at the Grand Challenges annual meeting in Brussels, Belgium on October 23rd, 2022. So wait a minute. So we have just gone through two years. Mm -hmm. Almost three. Two years of this. Well, let's just say two years. Mm -hmm. You know, because, you know, December, because December 2019. And, um, there's there's another one of these. They're doing another tabletop exercise. Yep, another one. Catastrophic contagion. So they've learned nothing from what what, what the rest of from what the world has experienced in the last two years. They've learned nothing. They've got to do it all over again. Why would they do that? Or maybe they learned an awful lot. That that's possible, and maybe they're not done. Hmm. So first of all, um, this was a this was a report that simulated a series of World Health Organization emergency health advisory board meetings addressing a fictional pandemic set in the near future. Ooh. Participants grappled with how to respond to an epidemic located in one part of the world that then spread rapidly, becoming a pandemic with a higher fatality rate than COVID-19 and disproportionately affecting children and young people. Participants were challenged to make urgent policy decisions with limited information in the face of uncertainty. Okay, so first of all, this illustrates one of the biggest obstacles to freedom. And, and America should be sitting up and taking notice and going, whoa, whoa, stop. What, why the heck are you all holding these simulations? Because bureaucrats should never be practicing making policy decisions that responsibility is supposed to be in the hands of okay who, who knows our constitution ah legislators our representatives yep the ones we elect all of whom are bound to confines laid forth in the constitution and respective state constitutions they're the only ones who are supposed to be making policies Oh, and yet uh, the World Health Organization had people there. Bill and Melinda Gates were there. In the first one, in the event 201, before the, quote, 2020 pandemic, um, there were 15 global businesses, government, public health leaders, scientists, etc., 
present. Wait, 15 global business, government, and public health leaders? What, businesses? Not elected, not elected official. Huh, businesses. Interesting. So these sorts of people, they're pushing for a global pandemic treaty right now to subjugate, specifically subjugate sovereign nations to the will of a global government. Oh, and if you want to say in these policies, you know, during catastrophes, oh, you have to be one of the elites who are invited in the first place to these round table simulations. If you're not invited, oops, too bad, so sad. And you can't even get elected to these to go to these roundtable simulations. Is this the definition of elitism or what? Is this not the definition of authoritarianism? A few people, a few elites deciding how we're oh going to make urgent policy decisions with limited information in the face of uncertainty. That sounds like tyranny to me. It's worth noting exactly who these players are, by the way, for catastrophic contagion. We have the ambassadors from the who. Not the band. Nope. World World Health Organization. Or Bill Gates himself. And then two. World the, Hoax Organization. That's exactly. what it is. Exactly. And then two of the people who were event 201 figures, namely Tom Inglesby and Anita Cicero. So just like uh, event 201 was, this is this is uh, we have to we have to say that this is a harbinger of what's to come. Klaus Schwab's Great Reset. Remember, he himself. No, we're not conspiracy theorists. theorists. Klaus Schwab wrote the book called The Great Reset. You can get it on Amazon, people. Klaus Schwab himself said in a video on camera that the COVID-19 pandemic, that this was an opportunity for the Great Reset. It still hasn't been fully realized, folks. And that is still the elite's end goal. Great Reset. So the next pandemic, y'all, the next scamdemic, it is coming. We told you when, when the last one was wrapping up and everyone's like, oh, we're getting back to normal. Like, oh, hold your hats. Hold on to your freedoms, folks. Hold on to your freedoms, your constitutions. Have those constitutions in your back pocket. Read them. Read them every day. Read them every week. Read them to your children and be ready to retain them and whip them out and read them off. Because we are still going to have to push back against this. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think um, I, I have to admit, I think I've been fairly short sighted on, on something in regards to this. You, you know, I've talked about the, the legal the legalization of marijuana, and I think everybody knows where I stand. And if you don't, mm. I think it's a stupid idea. Um, and I think it's a stupid idea because of what it does to your brain. It does alter your brain. It does alter your brain function. And given usage long enough, it will do this pretty much permanently. And I have had people argue with me about this, you know, versus alcohol and. Oh, it's it, not addictive. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, these are, these it, are both it, very different oh. things. It works in a different mechanism than, say, opioids. I'll grant you that. But 
No, no, no. Ma- marijuana is still addictive, and it actually uh, what it blocks neuroreceptors. Yes, and you know, and at this point, up till now, I, 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 I had thought basically, I had thought basically that the marijuana thing, the reason that the governments are pushing so hard to legalize it, is to get a cut of the the money from that. Well, I still think that's true. That's not the entire reason, because now I'm seeing this. See, the, the problem here is if you're going to sell something like this, when this happens again, it's going to be so statistically improbable, almost impossible. You probably could even say statistically impossible. But the next time this happens, it's going to happen and it's going to be on a bigger scale than COVID-19. And if you look back in history, that's never happened. It, it's just yeah. this, we've never seen anything like this. So the marijuana plays a big portion in this because if you take, if you get your society and you dumb them down, you dull their senses, you get them uh, subdued. The, the, the easiest way to subdue any society is to get them hooked on some drug, something, some vice that really just takes away any of their motivation. And you you end up with voluntary oppression. You've suppressed your society, and they've they've willingly signed up to do it because hey, the the pot feels good, man. The marijuana feels good, it makes me feel good. So I'll go ahead and do that. So I think that is playing a huge role in this. So what I think what I think we're going to see before this next pandemic rolls out, I think we're really going to see a whole lot more legalization, more states legalizing marijuana, because I think that's a key component that I think they need in order to sell this to the people out there who are still saying, nah, I, I don't know, man, this is this is not really making much sense. Now, I know a lot of us aren't, we're not dope smokers, but there are more and more people each year. It's becoming are, socially acceptable. Yeah, more and more people each year are starting to use so I think I think as we go forward, watch for this. I think that's one of the things we're going to see. And I, I just got the word. We can go till, uh, I believe it's 10 after. 10 after so, 6, yeah. yeah we'll, 10 we'll after 6. So we got some time to take your calls. 505-266-1600. Caller, you are on the line with the Liberty Lovers. Who do we have? David Olson. Hey, show killer. What have you got for us today, sir? couple things that you're talking about. And first of all, before I forget earlier, you mentioned Dr. Summers earlier on his program. Mm-hmm. He reminded us that uh, uh, well, a couple of years ago already and to this very day with um, mountains of evidence that remdesivir, I'm sorry, um, the other, the uh, uh, hydroxychloroquine yeah, and the ivermectin um, beyond the shadow of a doubt uh, are extremely powerful medications for dealing with COVID, yet uh, in many jurisdictions, including the state of New Mexico, uh, it's illegal for him to write a prescription for either of those life-saving medications for the purpose of saving your life. He can write it for other things, uh, but not for saving your life. And um, uh, using uh, the law, as well as fact, logic, reason, deduction, mathematics. Uh, that is proof that 
those responsible, like your governor and your legislature, whom, uh, whom your health cabinet secretaries, whomever makes has is in charge of making those decisions, has somehow gotten the power to make those decisions, which they should not have. Um, they are beyond the shadow of a doubt, by definition, by the proof that I just gave, they are guilty of conspiracy to commit mass murder, and they are guilty of mass murder, and they are guilty of crimes against humanity. By definition, there is no wiggle room. And um, on you're talking about the, the, ver- the, the various different ways, which is every way possible, the powers that be, uh, they use everything they possibly can to attempt what they're attempting, and that is to take control of the world. They want to get rid of all uh, autonomous uh, states and control it themselves through their communist, fascist, corporate um, uh, BS. And there there was a recipe created in the past that completely defeats them. It defeated them 250 years ago. And if you read the directions and apply it now, literally, um, uh, you can defeat them or prevent them again. Um, meaning the founding documents of this country, the Declaration, exactly. the Constitution, the 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 uh, Federalist Papers, and any other writings uh, uh, that you can find from that period. If you follow those directions, just like they defeated the greatest power in the world at that time, they can defeat these miserable scum once again. And to simplify it for those that don't know what I'm talking about, um, it's as, it's as simple as one. And two, as in Amendment One, mm-hmm. as in speak, speak your mind, assemble, uh, petition your government, which means sue their asses off. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. And number two, take up the hobby of uh, exercising your Second Amendment rights, which means going uh, to a gun shop and buying whatever guns you are interested in playing with and then go out and play with them. Um, and, and let's not forget that the reason the second amendment is there is to, to protect uh, the it, first. It's yeah. Well, it's to, it, it's to defeat nefarious powers that are in your government by shooting them or having the ability to shoot them. That is what the second amendment is there for. And they try to make, they try to make you feel guilty to shame you. If you suggest, you're always suggesting violence. No, I'm suggesting uh, an accurate uh, definition or, or uh, uh, of the um, of the Second Amendment. That is what it was for. It was to shoot your government if your government becomes a tyrant and refuses to be dissolved when you order them dissolved as per the highest law in the land. And the people that smoke dope and whatever, anybody who succumbs to all um, the only way power, the powers that be, is because they have a vote. They do absolutely nothing else. And so if it comes to kinetic power as opposed to ballot box power, those people are inconsequential. They, w- they will not uh, lift a finger to fight against anybody who chooses to stand up for the highest law in the land, which is the founding documents, which are the only thing that matter. And th- there's a reason why they're bastardizing so the the Constitution, the Declaration, and all the other founding documents, which are the highest, the reason, the reason yeah. they're bastardizing it is to get you to forget that the that the people, as in we the people, are the highest power 
in the land. They are, the people are more powerful than, than executive, legislative, judicial combined. And that's also why there's such a push to uh, essentially defile, undermine, get around. Uh, if, if they could, they would strike down the Second Amendment altogether. But the Second Amendment, unfortunately, for them, for anyone who's interested in consolidating power, is really all that's standing in between us, uh, or I'm sorry, them and our freedoms. They, they could steamroll us in a heartbeat if it weren't for the fact that for so long we have retained our right to keep and bear arms. And Chokilla, Dave had, had such a great point on that too, is you have the right, use it, retain it. And it is no more simpler than this. Like he said, the, the whole purpose for the Second Amendment, it's right there in the Constitution, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not the army, not, not the government, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be inference shall not no ifs ands or buts or maybes and why it's necessary to the security of a free state our freedoms it's our state it's our freedom that we're talking about here so yeah absolutely thank you show killer for that for that great call and that great reminder also about hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and we've talked about it before um somewhere i've got a copy of the letter that was sent to every single doctor, nurse, and pharmaceutical tech in the state and signed by the uh, New Mexico Board of Medicine, Board of Nurses, and Board of Pharmaceuticals that if basically they, they were caught prescribing things that were deemed unnecessary, wink, wink, read between the lines, um, that their licenses would be yanked and their medical practices would be, be yanked and closed down or looked at closely, I think might have been some of the terms used. So, yeah, our our state definitely is complicit in pretty much every vaccine death that has happened and COVID-19 deaths that could have been prevented. Yeah. And, and let's not forget the the nice little letter that was sent to pharmacists uh, across the state as well, um, where they were told if they filled any prescriptions for this stuff. They, mm. Their license would be yanked and they would no longer be allowed to uh, practice as a pharmacist in the state of New Mexico. Yeah. So, um, yeah, basically the state uh, looked at this and said uh, or told everyone, oh, well, no matter what the doctor's orders are, we don't care. Even if it's the right code, you, you shouldn't fill this in this state. And and it was really it was really interesting to see this uh, happening. And, and we kind of forecasted early on in 2020 folks when we said oh wait so ivermectin hydroxychloroquine these things have been studied for well in the case of hydroxychloroquine over 65 years uh used for that time ivermectin a uh, long time as well perfectly safe safe prophylactically oh but you can't use it what do we say in 2020 jaybird Hmm. We said a lot of things. Wonder, wonder about that vaccine that they say is coming out. Are, are they going to vet this and make sure it's safe? Yes, of course. They would absolutely do that. Oh, it's absolutely safe. 
oh no, but 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 don't don't take pharmaceuticals that have been proven and tested and time and time again, and that that African countries and South American countries and Pacific countries all rely on. Oh no no no, those are dangerous for you. And then of course they came out with you know BS studies that were then retracted or proven to be BS because they were not uh, peer reviewed in some cases, saying that oh yeah yeah you you can get heart conditions from hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin is just basically horse paste. And you, you, what are you doing taking uh, animal medicine? Regardless of the fact that uh, while, yes, it's used to treat some animals' conditions, it was not primarily an animal pharmaceutical. What the heck are you guys talking about? Yeah, I heard Dr. Summers talking earlier about um, how India is actually a really good supplier of a lot of our generic pharmaceuticals now. And I was really happy to hear him talking about that because I've, I've had that question from some people as well. Like, oh, well, can I trust if it, if it comes from India? Like, actually, actually yes, India is doing a, a fairly good job right now of supplying the world. And hey, can you blame them? There's a, there's a huge market for this because, oh yeah, doctors won't prescribe them. But people still want access to medicine that will help them. So what are we to do? Okay, sure. Order it from India, apparently. 505-266-1600 in the Kiva if you want to join the conversation. We have about 15 minutes left here with you all tonight. Remember, it's our last live show of 2022. So it'll be your last opportunity to call in and conversate with the couple from uh, Liberty Lovers Unite. How about they just converse with us instead? But I like the, okay, fine, fine, fine. Okay, I know. I I get on the left for their for their word games. You know, yeah, it's it's really interesting that uh, doctors are supposed to be able to present, uh, you know, suicide for a terminally ill patient. You know, you got to you have to present that. So these, you know, somebody who's terminally ill can be trusted to uh, commit mm-hmm. suicide, yep. but as of twenty twenty one in New Mexico, can't be trusted to take, uh, you know, ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. Oh, God forbid you get you, 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 it might kill them. You can't give that. You can't prescribe that. It might kill them. Oh, no. The issue, folks, really, what they're not saying and they won't say, but the real issue is, God forbid that a doctor, in their view, give you something that might actually save your life. God forbid doctors actually prescribe you something that the pharmaceutical companies won't make a billion bucks over. God forbid that doctors actually do their job and do no harm. We've come to this point in this country right now where doctors who harm people, actually harm people, are perfectly acceptable and accepted and protected. And doctors who are just trying to help people without hurting them are not. 505-266-1600 505-266-1600 in the Kiva. Caller, you are on the line with Jaybird and Liberty Nat. Who do we have? Dictionary Days. Dave. Merry Christmas, hey, Merry oh, Christmas, Merry to, Christmas you, to you, too, sir. So glad to hear you on this. Oh, hour. I'm sorry. Did I say sir? I'm not. Am I allowed to say sir anymore? It's a gendered term, darling. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Say it. Say yeah. it. <laughs> this is the United States of America, you know. Amen to exactly. that. <laughs> Amen to that. Thank the Lord. <laughs> no doubt. What you got for uh, us today? Oh, I'd like to congratulate Mr. Olson on a very well-spoken comment that he had. It was. It was. It is. 
And I've been listening to you all afternoon, and it, it seemed to me like it was a rerun. But then when I started hearing Pac-Man's song, I was like, okay, this is definitely not a rerun. <laughs> no, no, we, we actually are live, and, and I apologize. Yeah, every once in a while, we do have to do something else on a Saturday. So occasionally, we try to be live for you all. And uh, this year, unfortunately... The way the Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve fell just kind of stinks. <laughs> Johnny Five is alive. Yeah. Well, at least it allows you some time off. You can play some fun music and do whatever else yes. you need to do. You still got six kids, and Rebel. they demand your attention more than we need your. You need ours. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. So what's what's the new what's the new word? You got a new word for us, Dave? Because we need we need some education here. I wish I had one for you. I'm still not able to get to that section of the library. Unless you want to call chronic ankle pain a new term, which is, <laughs> it has sessions of hibernation, like four or five days of needing to sleep. And then there's three days of not being able to sleep more than half hour to an hour. And then it evens out to a point where like today, I'm like, oh, wow. I feel like I can get up and walk. And my uncle tells me, you got to be kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was hearing about the, the hydroxychloroquine. There's also the azithromycin and the zinc. I've been reading up on the book by the uh, McCulloch and that other doctor. And they broke that, that book oh, down yes. into sections. So the chapters are nice, easy to read chunks, and they don't blind you with the BS of the politically correct stuff. Oh, and it's been rather fascinating to know, okay, these drugs were relatively common, available, over the counter. Yeah. And that's the you know Yeah. And we've got a pretty good stock of it in our own stuff because I used to take it when I was in Korea and it was under exactly. order. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We we know uh uh, we know veterans who remember taking them when they were overseas in various countries. Yeah, and one of our guys, our armorer, he tried to use a religious exemption from taking the chloroquine, even though <laughs> our little hill was in the middle of, what do you call it, rice paddies. Mm. And every time the sun went down, it looked like every aircraft in World War II just took air. <laughs> and the mosquitoes flew, and my first weekend there, I was like a typical California guy. I was wearing shorts and a T-shirt, and that oh. was a really bad idea. Yeah, you'll get eaten alive. No, no. <laughs> yeah, my legs were red with blood, and I looked at it, and I was like, oh, that's neat. And the guys were like, uh, yeah, we need to get you back to your room. And that's when the chloroquine came out. And we were like, oh, I don't need him dropping dead. Yep, anti-malarials, they do work. Heck, I've, I've got relatives who remember taking them as kids. Yeah, well, the uh, the armorer who uh, refused got deathly ill. Ended up down at 121, and he did recover because they gave him the medications he did not want. And because he did, still did not want to comply with commander's orders, he got sent to Camp Casey, which by our unit was called the Land of No Smiles. I got to figure out, figure that out one day when we went down there, had to do some business, and I'm looking at all these guys in uniform walking around, and there was not a single smile on a single one of them, and this was a Saturday. 
like, okay, I'm going to be taking those drugs as long as necessary. There There was another one that we had to take when we cycled out. It was called Primaquin. Ah, I believe that is a a different version of hydroxychloroquine. Yes, we're required to take it for two weeks after leaving theater to help clear out of our systems whatever malaria, cloaking, whatever was in our system so that we, you know, once we got to our new duty station, we didn't have the potential of infecting anybody else. But then again, it's a blood-borne virus, so it's it's not like I'm going to be coughing up blood on somebody and saying, I'm sorry, Sergeant. Did I just do that? And, and by the way, Dave, I believe that that book by Dr. Peter McCullough was The Courage to Face COVID-19. Yes, that it is. Yeah. Preventing hospitalization and death while battling the biopharmaceutical complex by John Leake and Peter A. McCullough, MD. So, yes, check that out, folks. And uh, I'll include a link to that, too, in the show notes free of charge. Um, it's actually not even that much. Fifteen eighty-two. That's not bad, and they're selling it directly, so you don't have to go through Big Bad Amazon. Ooh, that's good. Well, thank you so much for calling, <laughs> Dave. You know, it 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 just wouldn't be a final show without hearing all of our Daves. <clears throat> you, you hear that? Uh, oh, wait. There's also a Charles, right? Conspiracy Charles, Dictionary Dave. Oh, uh, Secession Dave. That's a, that the only that's the only Dave that we're missing so far. The session, Dave. But thank you so much for your call, sir. 505-266-1600 in the Kiva. Caller, you are on the line with the Liberty Lovers. Who do we have? God, you just blasted out my earbuds. Hey, oh, Mountain Bike John! The signal is locked. Awesome. Um, yeah, this is U.S. Army veteran Mountain Bike John. <laughs> and that's right. I'm a veteran. and. Thank you, sir. Uh, oh, well, you know, I had to do what I had to do. Um, uh, God, and I came back alive. That's the best part. You did. Um, man, how you guys doing? How is the Kiva? We, we are wonderful, sir. We are blessed. Blessed, blessed. And uh, so, man, good, you, so good to hear your voice. You sound like you're blessed. Well, hey, we got six kids. We're all alive. We're all healthy. Um, yeah, we, we consider even in spite of the mess that the world is in right now, we have been amazingly blessed. And oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You just said the way the world is messed up right now. Let me think. <laughs> uh, what situation is going on right now? Uh, I lost count. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. There is so much just bizarre stuff. Uh, Especially, well, I'm not going to bring it up. No, don't go there. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. You guys already know what's going on. Um, Very true. Well, what we want to hear is, have you been biking around Albuquerque? I have been. Awesome. Where Where have you been? Now, there we go. There's your song. No, turn that off. <laughs> Wait, turn it down, dude. Turn it down. I know. I love Johnny. Everywhere, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. I love Johnny Cash. God rest his soul. But you know, that's not really what I listen to when I ride the bike. I mean, I listen. No, no. What listen. do you listen to? What do you listen to? When I ride the bike, okay. 
Um, I got the earbuds in, not the wire hanging down because that, that gets in your way of the brakes and the steering. Uh, so I got the earbuds, you know, buds in, and I'm jamming to Rush, Queensryche, um, Primus, uh, Pink Floyd a little bit, not too much, but okay. Okay. Mo- mostly Rush. Oh, oh, hell yeah. Uh, you know, Van Halen, some old mm-hmm. VH. Oh, boy. Um, but anyway. Well, where, where have you to... been? What, what have you been seeing in Albuquerque from your bike? Well, uh, two days ago, I was down by Central and... Oh, where was it? It was way down there, past downtown. I mean, I was on like Fifth Street, uh, Manal. Uh, you know, I went to the uh, Indian Public Cultural Center. Oh, okay. So down by Old Town. Yeah, and that from here, that's like nine miles. Ooh. And I did it. And the only reason I did it. And it was cold. I got to tell you, my fingers were getting. Oh, God. Uh, I mean, everything else was good. You know, my body felt good. I was warm. had plenty of water. And it was just a cold bike ride. But uh, I wanted to let you guys know. um, Okay. Since the pandemic first began, all right, Mm -hmm. when when it first hit, what was that? March of March of twenty. Well, March of twenty twenty is when it finally got acknowledged. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're talking, you know, a little over two years. But I never got, I never got any shot. Nothing. No vaccine. No fucking. Or oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's okay. Keep it just God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm va- sorry. no vaccines. No, no f bombs. Uh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, or that Man, either. I'm sorry. <laughs> Man, I apologize. Oh, That's okay. Jay Bird's on top of it. He's on the board tonight. He's on top of it. Okay. Okay. I hope no kids were listening. But anyway, um, I never got any vaccine. No shot. And. I don't know. Uh, the only shot I did get, and I got this at the VA hospital, mm-hmm. and it was well, it was well over, well over two years ago, and it was a shot in my right arm. And guess what it was for? Tetanus. Negative. Hmm. What was it then? Pneumonia. What? Pneumonia. Oh, was a pneumococcal pneumonia? Yeah, anything that affects your... Yeah, anything that affects the lungs. And it was for pneumonia. And I'm like, okay. And they go, oh, you've never had pneumonia. I said, no, don't (laughs) want it either. Um, Yeah, because that's... Oh, pneumonia is a water buildup in the lung tissue. And it... It's exactly. super excruciating. It is painful. And come on, you can't breathe. I mean, yeah. so, but anyway, that's the only shot 
and I've never had the COVID-19 stuff and none of the boosters and none of that. No, man, I don't need it. Good for you. Well, we got to wrap up here, but thank you so much for calling in and uh, good to hear you are retaining your right to your own bodily autonomy. That is uh, something that we all can do, folks. We all have a body, and you all have the right to decide what goes in your body. So remember, folks, freedom ain't free. We have to retain our freedoms. Just say no to tyranny and stay free in New Mexico. Oh, and you can reach us, too, at LibertyNav at ProtonMail.com. Jaybird, where can they reach you? No pull cheating at ProtonMail.com. Feel free to uh, reach out to us on email, folks. And we're going to look forward to a new show for the time year. In the meantime, catch us next week as we go through our Christmas favorites. We'll see you all next time. Like a hit!